It's playoff season, it's draft season, it's offensive coordinator coaching season, and it's always the time of year to argue about what the Bears should do at quarterback. Another offseason episode of Bear With Us is coming right at you as Nick and I talk about all these things and more on the latest episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Us, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here alongside my co-host, Nick Whalen of Football Guys. I am the editor-in-chief of DeBear's blog. We run one of the latest and greatest Bears-obsessed podcasts all over the internet. Tell your friends. Drop us a review on Spotify or Apple if you like us. We really, really appreciate it. We're trying to get those review numbers up, and Nick... What a week in football. I mean, we got our new off-season schedule, which I guess isn't set. It's just two guys freewheeling it in the middle of a busy time of year, right? The football never really ends, does it? The moment the season's over, the next season's already started. It, it, it's bad, and I don't know if this is because I'm a Bears fan, Robert, or because I just love the NFL draft, but I think I like the off-season more than in-season because there's so much more stuff to talk about and so much more, I think, film to figure out trades and prospects that you like and who's going to get hired and free agency. Like I, I like, maybe that's the Madden part of me growing up. Like I just liked creating the team and then I would sim and then they could, you know, however they did, they did. I'm going to push back on you because I think it's the fact that we've been conditioned to feel this way. The bears have been so consistently love you guys. I love the Chicago bears. They've been so consistently disappointing that the off season, we can't lose a game. Like there, there's no, there's no Matt Eberflus blowing a lead next weekend. Instead, like I just watched, gosh, I watched Penn State's corner, uh, Kalen King. I watched Xavier, or Xavier Leggett uh, from mm-hmm. South Carolina, the receiver, working my way through Lad McConkley, who has some hilarious tape. I was really expecting like a Sky Moore type because I was like, oh, look, Dude, he, it's he's a route runner, man. He, he's fast too. Yeah. Like, yes. you look, let's, let's just talk about it, right? The gym rat, the last guy out of the, uh, the last guy to leave. <laughs> like, the, Lad, Lad McConkley as the white receiver that everybody's talking about. You sit there and you're like, route runner. And it's like, okay, this is just a euphemism for like a high technique guy that's not going to succeed at the next. Oh my gosh, he dusted that guy. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. That guy could. I think if there's one thing, Bears fans, at the start of the show that I do want you to hear at the top of this is that uh, we are getting so stuck on the top three receivers. And still, a lot of Bears fans are really stuck on the top one receiver. That Mm -hmm. it's easy to forget that later down in the first round, high in the second round, and even deeper into the second round. I mean, Nick, if you're seeing what I'm seeing, there are some studs at receiver. Malachi Corley from my alma mater, Western Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I know you've talked about Keon Coleman, who I was high on early. He's fallen down a little bit, but he's still good. I mean, you have you have um, Tez Walker, who I like mm-hmm. from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Very interesting story. Troy Franklin. Like, like it's one of those things where you always hype up like, oh, this is the next class of this or that. This wide receiver class has like 15 guys. And I almost, Robert, I'm at the point where I'm like, I don't care who they are. As long as Chicago gets two of them, I'm happy. I mean, I'll take two. I'll take one for crying out loud. What's so funny about the Bears in their receiver, I guess you could say, situation. Like, the Bears need a 1B. They need a legitimate number two. There are a lot of ways to get one. T. Higgins was a second rounder not too long ago. 
And it's funny when you talk about Keon Coleman, I feel like the biggest red flag in Keon Coleman's game is the fact that he's not Roma Dunze. He's not Malik Neighbors. And the fact that because he's just a little slower, right? All the draft Twitter people. I love you guys. There's chances that there's at least a couple of you listening to my show or like right here as we talk about this, Nick. But so many people who love draft Twitter love separation. And there's nothing wrong with separation, right? Mm -hmm. But Keon, like AJ Brown, like... DK Metcalf is not going to create loads and loads and loads of separation naturally. I think a guy like him is actually pretty explosive for how much weight he's carrying. And he's obviously outrageously physical. You know what I mean? Do, do, but, do you know my favorite part of Keon Coleman's season? Was? Tell me. So he's 6'4", probably what, 220? Is that Looks what you like it. I, yeah. I need to go look it up. So he's huge. So he, I, I know 6'4". I assume 220 because he, he's thick. All right, y'all. So think 6'4", 220. Okay, think of the receivers that you know in the NFL, the guys that you've seen in college, whatever. Keon Coleman returned punts for Florida State. I know. And I think he, I think he housed at least one, maybe two, returned punts. The only guy I can imagine, and this is from going back the years and years I've done NFL draft, like just prospect, you know, evaluating Robert. The last guy that was that big that returned punts was Vincent Jackson at Colorado State. He was 6'5", 220. that's a great pull. And he returned punts. And what I think is so funny, let's go a little deeper, right? It's easy to talk about yards and whatnot, but the core reason that Coleman is on my mind, and chances are, look, I want to put Xavier Leggett and guys like him in this category, Nick, but I just, I'll get to it in a minute. The Bears, in my opinion, need an X receiver because I actually want the Bears to have a receiver that, pushes DJ Moore into the Z role that I think he really shines in like the slot mover Z receiver for anybody who doesn't know he's the guy who lines up a little further off the line of scrimmage mm -hmm. it's not that DJ can't play X right it's more like what if we already had an X in place yep. so that you can move DJ Moore at will and not worry about it the best thing that Keon can do is everybody thinks about AJ Brown they think of these big contested catches down the down the sidelines and like Hell yeah. Like, give the, some of those to Keon, too. But for me, Nick, I know that coaches feel better about calling certain plays when they think they've got the guys that can run them. And as good as DJ is, he's a smaller target than a 6'4", 220, massive catch radius beast. And what route do the Bears not call enough? I'll just say it for you. Slants especially off of RPOs. Well, when you get a monster target like Keon Coleman, who at least what I'm seeing on tape, if you're seeing it too, Nick, let me know. Uh, nobody can really jam him. Like with Keon, at least right now, he's winning nearly any physical battle that you see, especially while they're on the ground and not in the air, right? Because once you go in the air, things get a little dicier. And so what I see with Keon is somebody who can specialize in all of the brute force routes where basically at the NFL level, it's going to be Keon going body to body, posting up over the middle on these routes that the quarterback just mm -hmm. has to thread the ball and put it on his numbers. And the reason you want Keon there is because when Keon's there, he can turn a ball a little behind him or a little in front of him into an incompletion as opposed to an interception. Mm -hmm. Football at its core is obsessively detailed and when you have a player that you think you can run over the middle even in contested situations it's how you get the eagles throwing that same slant to ajb for what like 12 yards on third and eight 
like nine yards on third and nine, like Mm -hmm. these core third down pickup plays where you're basically saying, all right, I want you to post that guy up over the middle and I'm just going to throw the ball low and you're going to go get it. It works Mm -hmm. a lot better with a huge dude than it does with Darnell Moody. You know what I mean? they They can shield the the defender away from the ball like literally like you're saying post up and then you can feed me the rock down on the block you, you know what's interesting is i and again we're going to be doing a lot of this during draft season so i'm already going to put my asterisk here okay when i say a comp like hey this is what this player's comp is for me i'm not saying this is what this player's career is going to be like no, we don't know I, I'm saying, I'm saying this is, this player reminds me of this player. So that way, when you're listening, you can be like, oh, okay. He's kind of like this. And that's all I think comps are actually good for in my opinion. Cause we don't know Amen. how they're going to transition and, and no two players are alike. Keon Coleman's comp for me, Robert is, I would say a poor version of Brandon Marshall, a super physical guy. He can win up high. He can win down low. He's an athletic freak. I think Marshall had a little bit better quickness than he did. Mm-hmm. Coleman might have a little bit better straight line speed. And and again, when you think of this too, you can't think of 33-year-old Brandon Marshall. I'm talking yeah. young Brandon Marshall, y'all, yes. when he was with the, with the Broncos and just a beast. So that that's kind of an idea. I The one your issue I worry about with Coleman too is that he doesn't have a huge sample size. He didn't get yeah. a ton of yards and targets at Florida State. Not like we see with Harrison, Udunze, et cetera, they got fed the ball a lot more. So there's a lot more room for, you know, a lower floor, you know, maybe a higher ceiling, but he could be anything. But that's what I get a little bit of Brandon Marshall-y. Uh, it's funny with me and Keon, if only because, Ke- so there are going to be a lot of people that uh, they read Keon's name, right? And they started paying attention to him and they go, oh yeah, he's a Florida State Seminole, right? And I, I knew Keon going into this draft because I watched Jaden Reed. And so when I watched Jaden Reed's 2021 tape, I was like, man, this guy is a dog. Like, I can't wait to see what he does at the NFL level. And then Nick, I watched his 2022 tape and I'm like, who is number one? Like, because Jaden Reed got demoted. Second round pick of last year. Current, one of the best receivers on a Green Bay Packers team that Dadgummit is still in the playoffs. And I, I don't know how they did it. Like we'll mm-hmm. we'll get to them in just a little bit, but he dude falls to number two wide receiver on his own team. Like a part of me, Nick feels like the transfer didn't work out for him the way that maybe he wanted it to. Because I also thought Jordan Travis struggled to get him the ball on a lot of yeah. things. Like but, he would, and he got hurt too. Travis got hurt or mm-hmm. early in the year. Coleman had those flash games. He had like two touchdowns yes. in the first game or second game, and then after that things tailed off for him. Like if they would have made it to the actual college football playoff, he would have had more eyes on him, which would have helped. But this could again, work out in the bears favor in terms of, Hey, they could get him later, but Hey, we got to turn this back into the bears podcast, man. We're we're, we're talking. (laughs) We got, we got got tons of times for prospects. I want to talk about some bear stuff, Robert. Okay. So, okay. Bring it. Here's one I got. Okay. We got, I got my, my little sheet over here. Y'all if you I'm looking off, that's what I'm looking at. Jalen Johnson, okay, had his his interview that I think we all saw with Keyshawn Johnson and talking about, you know, supporting, I think, Justin Fields, but also the struggles that he had in, you know, learning different defensive schemes. And then you have Justin Fields learning different offenses. And and I think it's all stuff I agree with, honestly, that sometimes Fields doesn't look confident. He might have lost some things. But there's the whole part of Jalen Johnson's contract. Now, we all remember, right, months ago, it was like, hey, 
I'm not looking for top corner money. I just want to get paid. I want to stay here, blah, blah. Now, flipping the script, Robert, we're getting, I want to be, I've already proven it. I want to get paid top corner money, blah, blah, blah. Robert, I know where I stand on this. Where do you stand on this? Well, the Bears bet that Jalen Johnson would not be an all-pro, a pro bowler at PFF's number one rated corner on the year. And again, it's so funny, right? Because J.J. Watt was out on the timeline today decrying PFF grades. And I'm not trying to pretend that PFF grades are gospel. You know that. But it is so funny, isn't it, that you will see real football players cite their PFF grade when it's good. And then they will complain about their PFF grade when it isn't good. And they'll Mm -hmm. say, I know what my coaches said. Like, it's, anyways, when you're up, you're up. When you're down, no, that wasn't my fault, right? Mm -hmm. But anyways, so I think Jalen's saying the only thing he can say. Like, if I was his agent, I'd tell him to say all the same things. Mm -hmm. It puts the Bears in a position where the tag's the only option, in my opinion. We talked about earlier how we, uh, you said that you would tag him and then we'll see how the year plays out. I remember I said I would tag him and try to turn it into an extension. The Bears have put themselves in a position where they may be losing the negotiation, and I really don't know going forward if they do want to commit all that money to Jalen Johnson because, well, let me ask you this, Nick. uh, How'd the year end? Well, see, and that's my point. So, you know, I I posted this on Twitter today. You did as well. We we would both tag him for a couple of reasons. One is... Injuries, which I think is what you're getting at here. Let me go through games started. Jalen Johnson's career, rookie year, 13. Second year, 15. Last year, 11. And then 2023, 14. Now, you've come to his aid saying that you only expect so many games, whatever. And I do. Per per year. But I don't. I want you to play the whole year because when you have a history of even nagging injuries, y'all, all of a sudden, year five, it's not going to go away. Year no, six, it's not, not. going to go away. And so you're paying for a three-fourths, four-fifths of a year season guy. And also, out of all of those years, he's had one elite season. He's had a couple of them where he's had some flashes of good games, but he's never put it all together. And he's had one interception prior to this year. So I'm not going to pay someone elite money for one year. That's how you're going to get a bad contract. Now, again, I'm not saying Jalen Johnson's a bad player, but I'm not paying top five money to a player that has done that one time out of four. I think right now, if you wanted to get the deal done, you have to pay top five money, which is why you're going to tag him. I mean, I would argue that the Bears need Jalen Johnson next year. Look, I think they need him long term, Nick, but also... They have to make the smartest decision for the Chicago Bears organization. They have this tool. You and I could debate the ethics or whatever about the franchise tag another day, but they have the tool and they should use it, right? There's not even another person on the roster that needs franchise tagging. It's kind of just Jalen. And so they'll tag Jalen. They'll move on with that. And maybe at the end of the year, they'll talk about an extension again. Maybe at the end of the year, Jalen falls back to earth a little bit and they can agree to a a slightly more reasonable deal. Because like you're talking about, the Bears are caught in this really weird state, Nick, where not a lot of corners get top 10 corner money. Like really the only guys who get top 10 corner money are guys that are aiming for top five money. And Jalen has a strong argument at top five money this year, but he didn't last year. And Mm -hmm. he ends the year missing debatably the most important game of the season. 
Now we get over it, right? The Bears were eliminated from the playoffs. Who cares? But it's the Packers. And Ryan Poles probably isn't feeling charitable when it comes to just handing money out as he makes, can we agree on this, the biggest decision of his tenure. Like, the direction he goes at quarterback and the decisions he makes surrounding that quarterback are going to swing whether he gets a statue built, metaphorically, probably. Maybe Bears fans would build a literal statue, depending on like what happens here. The, the, the bar is so low, Robert. The bar is so low. Is, yeah. I want a quarterback that makes it to a second contract. That's really all I want. Yeah. And that when you think about how low that bar is, wow. <laughs> so, so here, I, I've got a little, I don't know how you felt last off season. Cause again, we didn't, we didn't have this, uh, this pod then. This we magical den of intellectual so, thought. So one guy I wanted last off season, I thought was going to be a good fit for Chicago. This is before your boy Tyreek Stevenson was Jamel Dean. I was like, mm-hmm. Hey, Jamel, we have money. Jamel Dean's a good corner and you know, maybe get him to a, a solid contract. Okay. So for people not familiar with Jamel Dean, he's with Tampa. Here's his PFF rankings at corner over his first four years. As a rookie, he was 12th, 12th, 20th, 10th in 2022. He goes the offseason. The Bucks signed him, I think it was right before free agency or the first day. Like he's like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll come back. He got basically four years at 13 million per year. Okay. All right. That's, I was like, man, that's a very reasonable deal. And that's the issue. Come, I comes still out, think that's the issue. Right. Comes out this year. He's 37th, which is a down year for him, but not like, not like he's terrible or anything. No. You know what I mean? So like that right there, that's like, Hey, that's a reasonable contract right now. Jalen Johnson. He's first this year. PFF ranking. Let's go. His, th- his three prior years, y'all 84th. 50th, 67th. Now, again, we just said we that PFF grades aren't gospel, but that's not even close to Jamel Dean. I mean, so go ahead. So, well, so 13 million per year, right? Let's go up a little bit, you know, 15 million per year. Didn't he get offered what 17 or 18? And he said no to that. We don't know. Like, still, he's probably wanting what 21, not 22. I would ask for 23. Like not, if, no if I was his agent, that's what I would be slapping on the table. And I would be saying 23 million a year. We're the best corner in the NFL. And then if I was Ryan Poles, like switching gears, I'd say you weren't even a first team all pro. You were a second team all pro. Like you, I get it, but you can't say you're the best corner in the NFL. And mm-hmm. I would argue, Nick, that I think the Jamel Dean deal is part of the problem. Like there's this massive gap between a tier two corner one of which I think Jalen is the best of like, in my opinion, Jalen Johnson is the best tier two corner one in ball right now. Right. But that means $17 million. It doesn't mean 22, $23 million. And he thinks that he's right there with saving Howard and sauce Gardner and Trayvon Diggs and other guys that are getting that, that kind of money. Mm -hmm. Now, He's not easy to replace this year. If you plan for the future, he might be easier to replace going forward. I don't want to replace him. Eventually, Nick, I would like to get out of the cycle of, man, I love this player. Man, I love this player. Oh, he wants to get paid? I think he's okay. Like, I I don't like doing that, right? But if you made me choose today, Nick, between 
in 2025, Robert, would you rather have 30-year-old Chris Jones, like 31-year-old Daniil Hunter, 30 or 27-year-old Bryce Huff? I don't know how, how old he is, so I'm guessing that he's like 25-ish. Maybe he's yeah, 28, he right? He is. He's younger. But so do I want that guy or do I want Jalen Johnson? And it's tighter than it should be, but so is the money, right? Like mm-hmm. once you start asking for corner one money, it's like, oh, good. Now it's TJ Edwards plus the deal that I wanted to have or like to have Jalen on. And the caponomics and the puzzle pieces, they just get a little uglier. Caponomics, I like that. So I'm going to go back to we had um, our last Q&A, I think it was like two pods ago or so. Maybe it was three. And someone asked the question. They said, if you could get a first for Jalen Johnson, would you do it? And I answered yes, Mm -hmm. because I would get the first. And I would get the money and you th- and for y'all, like, I know I like Jalen Johnson. This isn't against that, but this is the Roquan Smith thing all over again. You got the second for Roquan, which turned out to be, I think, I don't know, a Dexter maybe. And then you signed basically the two linebackers for Roquan money plus what, 3 million, whatever it was that you can do the same type of thing potentially here with Jalen Johnson. You can get the first, you could sign somebody or spend the first on a corner, like you're saying, develop, right, and, and replace. So so I'm still going to take the first over Jalen Johnson. What are you going to do? Me personally, okay? So I think sometimes, Nick, it is really easy for us to accidentally talk out of both sides of our mouth, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not about to accuse anybody. I just want you to walk through this with me. Yeah. We are in the middle of an NFL arms race. We are looking across the league, and we are watching – Jamar Chase pop off. We're watching Justin Jefferson dominate games. We're watching Amon Ross St. Brown take over. It is rarer to find an attack like Green Bay where Bo Milton is exploding in the middle of the offense than it is to find an attack like what we've seen with Tyree Kill in Miami, like what we've seen with, uh, honestly, I'd say the Chiefs kind of are fitting this. And by the way, I know know Miami kind of caved in the negative seven degree weather, man, but playoff Pat looked a lot more like 2022 Pat than he did 2023 Pat. So we'll see. It helps the Dolphins have like seven starters out and no pass rush. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. But I just, I think the Chiefs are just fun. Okay. Like in the world of, I'm just saying like people forget that they're like, they're a fraud. Okay. When you're losing your top three pass rushers, y'all and Pat has all day back there. Darn true. And then you're losing Connor Williams is, is gone for, for two and whatever else. Like, I'm like, okay, I can, this doesn't mean everything. And hey, you got a guy okay, who on, played. Can I, can I go off for a second? Oh, sure. Okay, y'all. The Tua takes, the, the Mike McCarthy takes, the whatever, okay, the playoffs. Okay, let's talk about the playoffs for a second. The oh, playoffs man. are one the one game. One game. As long as you Two. know I am going to come back to the arms race comment. No, no, you can, yeah, <laughs> you're fine. It, it's one game, and people are, that, that supersedes everything. Mike McCarthy, y'all. Lost Kellen Moore, and everyone's like, oh, they're going to be trash. He's terrible, blah, 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 at the number one scoring offense in the NFL. He has had first, fourth, and first. Those are the last three years of him as head coach, helping out, whatever, right? Yes, they lost. Did they lose because of their offense? Or did they lose because Dan Quinn allowed 41 points on defense, and they matched the Green Bay's 12 personnel, which is two tight ends, y'all, with dime personnel almost the entire game he got ran over or play action to death so i'm just saying or Tua, who led the nfl in passing yards and then yeah in in the fourth coldest game ever things didn't go 
perfectly for them on offense. Yep, against a really good defense. It happens, y'all. Like we, we can't jump to these huge conclusions over a game. We need a bigger sample size than saying Tua shouldn't get paid. Mike McCarthy is terrible. Fire this guy. Get rid of this. Like, let's bring it back a little bit because we it wasn't too long ago, right? Because now, now Jordan Love is they're gonna build a statue. It wasn't too long ago. They lost to the Giants. They right. beat the Panthers by three points. KC couldn't figure anything out for like two months. And now all of a sudden they're amazing again. Like things there, it's a roller coaster, y'all. Like oh some absolutely teams a bad game. The it's worth mentioning that the two franchises that you just brought up, I would argue, uh, the fan bases are I would say that they're on opposite ends of the reaction spectrum, right? I think Miami fans are on one because a quarterback like Tua is not that easy to find. And I understand that everybody wants the super athlete that is also an outrageous, like outrageously accurate and constant or consistent trusting quarterback that understands the system well. Well, Tua gives you the latter. He doesn't give you the former, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody's always going to want to throw the the big arm, you know, like. Exactly. I get it. Dallas. I'm from Dallas. I know how frustrated this city is with winning the week eight midseason championship every single season and then losing in the playoffs as soon as you're given the opportunity. Dallas has yet to overcome anything in the playoffs for almost a decade. They're just mad. Like whether, whether it's justifiable to fire Mark McCarthy, cause I'm with you. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. You asked, did the offense really lose it? Kind of two interceptions in the first three drives is a horrible way to start a game in, in the pick six. But, I, but like, so I look at that was did Mike McCarthy throw the pick. No. So, but are you moving? Are you ready to move on from Dak Prescott? When we know this is a league, Nick, where the fans want to move on from the coach sooner than they want to move on from the quarterback. Cause you always like the quarterback. Oh, you know it. what I so mean? Here, here, here's an, here's an easier way. Here's the way I always look at it. And this actually could come back to, and I think our next, thing we should talk about probably is uh that the bears ocs and coaching and hang stuff. on we need to go but, back to corner because we're not uh, hold, done. okay hold on so I'll, I'll go this then you go there so if mike mccarthy gets fired does he get another nfl head coaching job this offseason this offseason i think he takes an offseason off i, I don't do know you, if would he have an opportunity i think he would definitely get interviewed like you're mm-hmm. saying but would would, would matt eberflus what do you think? Because not a chance. My first thought was no. <laughs> but but to me, to me that that just tells you right there whether you should replace your coach or not. Which I think it's back to a little bit of what's going on in Chicago. But I'm just saying that like, and I get that you know, okay, there's the rebuild year last year. But I'm just saying I don't think that Mike McCarthy is the issue. I don't think he's the issue. I think Dallas needs somebody to blame, right? Yep. In, in particular, because now. For some reason, they like Dan Quinn, which sucks because I would argue that Dan Quinn runs a very similar scheme to Matt Eberflus and the idea that they picked the same solution. I mean, think about this, right? It's the same thing we saw Dan Quinn do against uh, against the Bears, actually, last year, where the Lions trotted out a game plan against the, okay, who did we play? I think it was Miami, actually. We played Miami and then Dallas. Right. But so Miami trots out a game plan where they're going to just let fields do whatever he wants to. The idea being he can run on us as much as he wants. He's not going to beat us. Well, that almost doesn't happen. The, yeah. the Bears almost do beat them. And then Miami wipes the sweat off their brow says, whew, I'm glad they didn't call P.I. against Chase Claypool. And <laughs> they move on with their lives. Dan Quinn, for some reason, watches old tape and comes to the same idea. It says, 
ah, Justin Fields can run as much as he wants to. What's he going to do? Beat us? Almost does, right? And it's weird to me that Dan Quinn, after watching Matt Eberflus decide that the way to beat this Green Bay team was to play soft zone and let them do whatever they wanted to do, decided that he was also going to play soft zone and let them do whatever they wanted to do. He got beat worse. The, the, yeah. Packers, yep. the Packers beat him so badly that that defense, I mean, you'd have never thought that a defensive player of the year candidate was on that defense. The, the, the one thing that bugged me the most that entire game in terms of just, and this is just coaching wise, y'all like Jordan Love played well, Matt LaFleur was in his bag. Like I think Matt LaFleur has done a great job this year is when they were, they were going to come with a blitz, both linebackers, I think almost a gaps, right? And they, then they flashed it with 10 seconds on the play clock. Love's like easy, easy, easy. And he checks to another different play, right? Cowboys back up and then they still come with the same thing. He's checking because you're blitzing yep. switch the coverage. Like to me, that's I'm just like, what are you doing? That, that is the same issue we had this season when Chicago didn't have hots. It'd be like, Oh, they're coming. And we have no answers. It's like, well, good luck, Justin. I mean, it's so corny, but quarterback awareness is in baby. Like yep. you watch these playoffs and it sure seems to me at least as if uh, the two things that really shine to me, you know what? Hang on. Let's address the corner thing. Then let's get to that. Then let's move on, right? Because yeah, yeah. right. anyways, wide receivers, arms race. The whole point that I'm making and building up to is we're so excited about drafting Marvin Harrison. Some other teams, like Chargers probably, are so excited about drafting Malik Neighbors. If you don't have somebody that can cover these guys, you are going to get dusted. Like, there's, there's no hope for you out there. I mean, you have to have somebody that can at least contest these guys. And ideally, they've got a little experience and they've been doing it for a little while because even if Tyreek Hill is much faster than Jalen Johnson, Jalen has played guys like him before and has ways to at least take a couple downs back. To me, Nick, I think that's valuable, at least, especially for one more year, but I would love to see two or three years. It doesn't have to be the longest extension on earth, but Tyreek Stevenson and some of these other DBs are still so wet behind the ears. I mean, I would consider Tyreek's next season his first season where we have actual expectations of his play. He's yeah. still not seen everybody in the league yet. Right. Like, I think, but I think the other part to this too is um, why pass coverage is successful, right? Corner is part of it. Safety is part of it. Play calling is part of it. The biggest part for me is pass rush. And so with that first round pick or with that money that you could potentially save instead of having Kinderville door, which we've had out there. I know that's terrible. He won a game. I know. (laughs) I know. I saw it. I was like, who's this guy is, is getting after the quarterback because it makes everyone better. It's the multiplier. It's the Montez sweat thing. So to me, if you're telling me if I could have a better pass rusher or keep Jalen Johnson, I would have the pass rusher. I would. So the scariest part to me when we talk about this is in theory, Nick, you'd like both, right? You don't want it to be a choice in so far as you're able to make it one. But then you could also say, Nick, that the two best defenses going into the playoffs both got rocked. And they both got rocked by offenses that had no business rocking them, especially not that hard. These games weren't even close. Like, I understand that defense. So, like, I'm not trying to tear down defense wins championships literally just because Joe Flacco couldn't overcome the Houston Texans and Jordan Love smoked a Dan Quinn team where you could actually wonder, look, I'm tinfoil hat Nick. 
You almost every, wonder, every podcast you have a tinfoil hat. You almost wonder whether Dan Quinn was looking past this game and thinking about the Seattle opening and doing Maybe. a little prep on the side. Maybe. Right. Now, here, here's here's my here, I'm coming to defense for both those defenses for a second. Three pick sixes happened in those two games. Uh-huh. That does have a big impact. Like in that third quarter when there's back to back pick sixes, the game was over. Before Absolutely. that, it was still a game. But going back to the same argument we made against the 2018 Bears, who did not allow 20 points in their playoff lo- or in their playoff loss, right? Mm-hmm. When you gave up 24 points in the first half to the Houston Texans offense, I'm not saying the game was over. It wasn't even close to over. But the only reason it wasn't over was because Flacco looked like he was dealing too. Like, yeah. and to me, Nick. You didn't spend all that money, over $200 million of cap space with the reigning defensive or with a guy who was also a defensive player of the year candidate to go down 24 to, or to like give up 24 points and a half on the, or on the road or not. And so I'm not trying to pretend that anything's simple. You and I have talked a lot about how there's a billion ways to win, right? Mm-hmm. But... I can't help thinking, looking at these games, that you want a coordinator that can create with what you have on defense, because when you have offensive investment, it sure seemed as if the offenses closed games in this or in this playoff cycle. It was one week's worth of games, so don't draw too many conclusions from six games, right? Exactly. But Detroit won the game because their offense closed. Right. Los mm-hmm. Angeles won the game or Los Angeles didn't win the game in part because Matt Stafford. <laughs> I don't know. It depends on if you thought Puka Nakua got interfered with. I don't want to get into that. I, I don't no. I don't care enough. Right? right. But it's more to say that at least to me, Nick, it is a um, it's a sobering reminder that the Bears are going to try to build something a little unorthodox because the league is still pretty offensively skewed. Right. Mm-hmm. But. With Sean McDonough, or I do that all the time. With Sean McDermott and his success in Buffalo, you there's definitely a blueprint to whether a young quarterback succeeding. And let's keep that ambiguous. Maybe that's Justin Fields. Maybe that's Caleb Williams. Uh, under a defensive-minded coach that can get a lot and get guys playing hard uh, on mm-hmm. the defensive side of the ball while your offensive staff does their work. Yeah. Or John Harbaugh is this like that's the other part too is that we hear well you have to have the offensive head coach that's the only way to make it work. D'Amico Ryan's y'all is the head coach for the Texans and CJ Stroud's making it work. John Harbaugh is a special teams coach. They're making it work and he's been successful for a long time. Like McDermott, like you said, defensive coordinator. Like there's many ways to get this done. That's not one way. And the other part too is you look in the NFC. You know, again, you could say what you want. Um. I don't think the most talented quarterbacks in the NFC are still alive in the playoffs. I mean, you could argue standalone, the best quarterbacks are not alive or, or uh, alive. <laughs> still playing they didn't football. Die. Yeah, yeah, they didn't die. <laughs> still playing football, right? And now, like, that's the part too is there's so many ways to get this done, y'all. Like, and this is the whole debate with the whole fields thing, which we'll have here in a bit, but is, you know, building the team around them. I mean, Jared Goff has been like resurrected with Ben Johnson. You couldn't make it work with Sean McVay. That's weird, right? Offensive guy. Then you have the Jaguars fall apart and they have a, supposed to have an offensive guru and a generational guy. The Eagles, oh my goodness, fell apart and they have the one of the best O-lines and weapons and young quarterbacks and they don't make it work. Like there's no one way to do this. No. Or, or right, we have the debate of, well, the Packers figured it out because what you do 
but you sit somebody for two or three years and then all of a sudden they're ready to go. That's the way that you do it. But then you have CJ Stroud, Robert, who just did it from the jump. So there's no yep. one way to get this done. I feel like we see that argument on Bears Twitter all the time. It's like, well, they have to do it this way because of this team or this way because of this team. Right. There's so many ways. 100%. I mean, absolutely. There are so many ways to do this thing. There are so many mm-hmm. ways to build a winner. Like, for instance, apparently one way to win is that you could, you're going to trade. Okay, so you're going to trade three first-round picks, right? So that you could move up from, I don't know, middle of the draft up to around three. Okay, you're going to take the third best quarterback in the draft. You aren't actually doing this for him. You're just going to you're going to take a handcuff in the later rounds. You're going to take the first seventh round quarterback to start and win more than I think it's like five games. I mean, it's so rare. It hasn't we haven't seen it out of the seventh. Right. We've got in if you go six, seventh, eighth, we've got Tom Brady. Brock Purdy and Tony Romo, those are those are kind of your Mount Rushmore. Yep. <laughs> just they they, they traded for Trey Lance to motivate Brock Purdy. That's what it was, Robert. Right. It's it's like you obviously had an org trying to do what people want a Bears like peer to do for number one, and they just they failed in doing it. And their scouting department found a a better version of Tyson Bajan. and. Yeah. Now you've got Brock Purdy basically throwing the ball exactly where Kyle wants him to and a team that's playing really well in its wake. There's mm-hmm. so many ways to do this. They may not win. I mean, we don't know. Games aren't played on paper. Like, I mean, I mean, they might have won it last year if he didn't tear his, his, his elbow up too. Like, might we don't have. Even know. And, and then who knows? Maybe Jason, Jalen Hurst doesn't get that same extension if he yep. loses to the, or to the 49ers. Mm-hmm. But you look at so many of these things. There's so many ways to do it. Like, for instance, Nick, let me let me ask you point blank, right? Do you feel like the departure of Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen hurt the Eagles more than maybe we thought it would? Oh, 100%. I, I made a post about this where I said last year was the Eagles' best shot at a Super Bowl, and then you get pushback, but you look at the free agents and you look at the coaching because everyone thinks – Oh, well, that coach was overrated or their role in this was overrated. When you lose coaches, something's changing. Could be better. Could be worse. And people all made fun of Jonathan Gannon. I have posts on this, Robert, where I was mad because maybe he's a little weird, maybe because of how he talks and he got the most out of Arizona or more than anybody thought. And shame on people for just literally making fun of because of how someone talks. Maybe he doesn't have the deep voice. He's not huge person, whatever. You say that people thought people thought Dan Campbell was a loon. Like people thought Dan Campbell was a relic of the past. Now he's really cool. Now we don't talk about biting kneecaps in his opening press conference. I know Bears fans are going to think what I'm about to say is absolutely ridiculous. People are going to turn Matt Eberflus into the enigmatic genius if he wins 12 games next year. Like, you know what I'm saying? The mm-hmm. moment you start winning is the moment that you take a guy that's dorky and cheesy and you turn him into, oh, no, he's just smarter than everybody. Because and that's that's how but, people spin it. But, but just like just like Gannon, just like him, there's so many ways to get this done. So you ready to talk coordinator? Uh, yeah, let's do it. All okay, right, so. so- there's Let, there's six there's six coordinators y'all yeah. okay for offensive coordinator defensive coordinator that's that's a, that's still a mystery I've heard no news on that which no is we're just not talking about it at all <laughs> but, but there's there's six offensive coordinators here that they've interviewed so far so I'll go through them quickly so you got you got Thomas Brown Greg Roman Greg Olson 
Shane Waldron, Liam Cohen, and Clint Kubiak. Um, how do you want to go through this? Do you want to go through who your favorite is, or you want to talk through individually, or what are you thinking? So it's funny because that we talk about this just because I did something earlier on Twitter about this, but I'll regurgitate it. So my favorite is Shane Waldron, but at the end of the day, Nick, the deeper and deeper I sink into my football obsession and trying to find answers, the more I see that as far as judging a coordinator and judging a coach, we can take our best guess, but because we're never going to get a copy of the interview transcript, we don't know. No. Right. Like no. you and I, let's, let's take a hot button example. Greg Roman, right? Okay, is it the chicken or the egg? Is is his passing concept repertoire relatively simplistic because he doesn't get how to pass the ball effectively? Or was Colin Kaepernick a very young, very young and immature Lamar Jackson and Tyrod Taylor just not the greatest and most complex passers that the league has ever seen? Man, mm -hmm. Nick, are we ever going to know? Right? right. And so right. you could take a look at what you think a coordinator believes in. For instance, I believe in experience. I believe that somebody like Shane Waldron is a great choice because he has been there. He has had all of the focus of being the offensive coordinator underneath a defense slash culture head coach. Right. Part of the reason I would love to see Waldron in this Bears uh, it, running the Bears show is just because there's consistency there as opposed to somebody like Getze where this is the biggest job of his life. For Waldron, this would be another opportunity, but he was successful in Seattle. We saw him work with a quarterback not totally dissimilar to Justin Fields. So if the Bears did want to stick with Justin Fields, Waldron gives you that option. And we see from his McVay, like I understand that the McVay tree and Shanahan tree, frankly, I think we play it up a little bit too much. You know what I mean, Nick? Like the Reed tree believes in Reed tree principles. The Shanahan and McVay tree are so heavy on kitted all around your personnel that if you look around the league, they're all pretty different in terms oh, of. Oh yeah. Well, like, I mean, motion. I mean, but it all has some similar zo outside some, zone soul, play right? action. Yeah. Yeah. I There's mean, some similarities. At, at least what I've seen, the marrying the run to the pass is the biggest thing that you see in a lot of these McVay thinkers, right? They don't believe that good offense exists without a married run and pass game. And that's good because I just think that's kind of objectively proven correct, right? Well, that, I mean, I think every coordinator wants that. I, I, I wanted that. Like, I think it's what you want. So I'm, I have a couple of things here. So, you know, we don't have to go through all the guys. Um, one is, so Liam, right? Uh, Cohen, um, I have, you know, you know, people love sources, you know, uh, one of my buddies worked with him. I won't say where, right. And we'll keep it loose. He texted me and just said, um, I worked with him at a certain place. Um, he's a great dude. So, awesome. I mean, that's, that's not like, you know, fluff, whatever. That's someone that doesn't have to tell me anything and they could give me their ask me. So that, that's good news there. Um, Shane Waldron, I mean, again, so before he was with Pete Carroll, was with McVay for many years. Mm -hmm. um, Greg Roman, I'm going to push back on this a bit. You hear so many people just poo-pooing this idea of Greg Roman, okay? I think you're more of a poo-pooer on Greg Roman than I am. So the Greg Roman, if we think about this, he's had multiple stops of being successful as an offensive coordinator. We haven't had that. Yeah, you know, like, like even if Greg Roman's 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, that's way better than what we've had. And he has been successful with Kaepernick, 
with Tyrod Taylor, with Lamar Jackson, with different teams, different O-lines, different coaches, different personnel. There has been success. Has it been perfect? No. He's been to the Super Bowl, though. He's been a lot of playoff games, which is way more than we can say on anyone else on staff. So, and there's, and you think about it when you have different um, athletic quarterbacks here. I mean, I mean, the ones I just listed, some of those are more athletic than the other ones. Some are better passers than the sure. other ones. They they learn differently. And if we remember the press conference, they wanted someone that was versatile that could coach in multiple different ways mm-hmm. to their personnel, whoever they get. And Greg Roman has done that. So you're talking about experience. That is one. One guy that I'm going to push back on that I'm not excited about is Thomas Brown. And the, the one simple part of it is this. And this is just, again, rumblings. So the the Panthers thing was bad, right? Like, yeah, uh, not a great org uh, to be tied up with, like, right? Like, well, I mean, just like this year was like, just like colossal, whatever. So what, what I had heard, not sure if you heard this, Robert, but I had heard that the the Panthers, they had coaches going to the owner and they're all trying to like, kind of like save their jobs and throw right. under people under the bus, whatever. That's not the culture I want with coaches. And I don't know if Thomas Brown was one of them or not, but if I had to be just safe and be like, well, let's just avoid this. And again, from the little information that we get, Robert, that makes me hesitate with Thomas Brown. I agree. I mean, when you think about the amount of positions that the Bears have open right now, I I think this has been talked about. I'm a believer that the Bears are talking to a lot of these guys to get them interviewed so that they can then bring more than one of them in. I mean, just to use an example. Right. Like if they if they hired Shane Waldron, but then they brought on Greg Roman as run game coordinator, chef's kiss. If they brought in Greg Olson as your quarterback's coach, chef's kiss. Like if they bring in Liam Cohen to be pass game coordinator. Yes, please. Like there's mm-hmm. you can you can build a staff room out of more than one of these guys. I don't think it just has to be one. And if uh, Thomas Brown is one of those guys that isn't the offensive coordinator, I feel Mm -hmm. a lot better about him being in the room. But just given the Carolina thing, turning the reins over, because effectively you're declaring this guy head coach of the offense, right? And that's head coach of a development project, regardless of who's a quarterback. And I don't want that head voice to be somebody coming from that Carolina org. It's probably me being pretty knee jerk, but man, that's a bad one. Like that's one of the worst results we've seen in probably what? 30 years. Like it's colossal. I mean, especially when you just got the quarterback, you're like, okay, we have to go through some growing pains. And they went through none of them. The, um, the other thing that's kind of cool, I guess, with this is the, the theme besides Roman is you talked about the McVeigh Shanahan style, but it matches a lot of what we just saw. So mm-hmm. the, the good thing is that you think the, the transition, if they, if they go with one of those, which I mean, five of six are, um, you would think that it, the offensive line, the verbiage, the quarterbacking, it's going to be easier if they stick with fields. And if they don't, the rest of the personnel that you bring back, won't have to learn as much of a new system. So you think that you'd have probably more success early on. I mean, you could even argue that the Bears are almost making making life a little harder on themselves because they have the opportunity to explore all kinds of offensive identities and systems. And instead, they're very plainly 
sticking with one offensive tree. But like you're talking about, it sure seems as if they are believing and trusting in all of the advantages that probably come from not having to relearn offensive footwork or like mm-hmm. offensive line footwork is what I intended to say. Yep. Not having to reteach DJ Moore the fundamentals of what these route concepts are, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, obviously there's quarterback advantages, but with a quarterback change very, very up in the air, that may not be where they're expecting to gain the majority of like their their advantage, right? But your running back's angles don't have to change as much. There's so many players on this team that don't have to relearn an offense that you could even argue, Nick, <gasps> that they plan to try to keep the offense the same so that the quarterback does not have to be a leader and can instead just drive a bus, right? That's already moving. But mm-hmm. we'll see if that happens. I mean, you talked about Roman. To your point, Roman is a successful offensive coach. It's kind of like if you brought in Shane or Daryl Bevel, right? Um, yeah. Where it's like, is that the the best, hottest Newest age offensive mind? No. In the off- or in offensive coordinating right now, you're either good enough to be a head coach or bad enough to get fired. And man, there is no in between. And, no. and well, so I mean, you could sit you could add in Ken Dorsey, you could add in Kellen Moore, right? Mm-hmm. They're not as mm-hmm. hot names now, but they've been successful. Right. And so I don't ever want to tamp down on Roman's success and track record. It's more that, at least to me, Nick, what I would worry would happen is they would, if they brought in Roman to be their offensive coordinator, I think they'd be committing to a quarterback run identity very similar to what we saw with the Ravens and the 49ers. And then I think we would spend an entire offseason with people like me saying, I just don't think they're going to invest enough in Justin Fields becoming the passer that I think he should be aiming to be. Me personally, as a huge fan of Justin Fields, Nick, I know sometimes it doesn't sound that way, right? But I love Justin. I've been tracking Justin weekly for the last, ever since he got to the Bears. I mean, every single week, going through the tape, frankly, trying to add as much context as I possibly could. Mm -hmm. I think, Nick, that Justin Fields needs to take a step back so that he can take a leap forward, a small step backwards where we need to be willing to throw the ball into tighter windows. We need to be willing to take our 50-50s. We need to be willing to prioritize throwing the ball, get out of this feedback loop where running is our answer to nearly everything. You know what I mean, Nick? Like we, we watched so many playoff games where with pressure bearing down on a quarterback, the decision was throw it anyways. And it was a game winning decision in way more cases than it was a game losing decision because you just have to be able to do that in the modern NFL. Well, I mean, yeah, yes, and I mean, you could argue that lost the Cleveland game alone by throwing the two pick sixes in the was traffic. It, but but did it lose it alone, or was that game already lost? When and when you when you give them fourteen points, the game's over. Definitely, it's definitely the finisher, right? It was yeah. the dagger. But. So 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 you're 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 saying some stuff about Justin Fields right now, and so we're going to do a fun exercise here, y'all, where we are both going to make, we're going to be prosecutors, right? We're going to be the lawyers. You're going to be the jury, okay? okay. We're going to go against Justin Fields and for a rookie quarterback. And again, this is Caleb or Drake May. We're not going to give you anything in terms of their skill sets. Not, not a whole lot anyway. That's coming later. Could be, yeah, we have, we have, we're going to have more podcasts this offseason, y'all. Preview there. Um, but And then we're also going to say for Justin Fields, right? Like why they should stick with him. So we're both going to do both. It's not like Robert's going to be one or the other because, honestly, 
I want to hear what Robert's got to say. Robert's going to want to hear what I have to say because we're going to have different points. I'm so trying ready. different things. So this is going to be fun. But you guys get to decide. And when we talk about when we want feedback from you guys in your comments, tell us which ones you liked, wh- who, what you're going to decide. Please don't go with, well, this is what I've already heard about Justin or already heard about Caleb. I want you to take what we're going to give you and which what you think is the most convincing or the most reasoning for like oh yeah okay yep let's go with that one so in the comments we, are, we want to hear so we are also going to intentionally skew like we're going to have the positive part and the negative part we think in the middle but please don't comment i know you're going to do it yeah, yeah oh yeah like please oh, yeah. don't comment oh you guys are such homers i can't believe you like or or wow you guys are such haters it's like yep. yeah if you clip us we're gonna yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah we're cool. going both. both sides here so robert you were just going off on justin so why don't you why don't you continue with justin oh, uh right now let's go let's go for justin for justin so okay. uh if i was going to make the argument for justin I would say that I think Justin Fields, when he's given time in the pocket, can be one of the more accurate deep throwers in the NFL, which I think is a valuable skill. I think we have to get an offensive coordinator that is going to basically challenge him to be willing to throw the 50-50 ball and trust that his receiver is at least going to create an incompletion. There were a few too many times down the end or near the end of the season. <clears throat> that as simple as slot fades up the sidelines are, Nick, I think Justin could have thrown a couple of them because mm-hmm. an NFL receiver will go up and get that ball now and again. Even Bayless Jones, you give your guy a chance to make the play, the chance isn't zero that he's going to come down with it. It's almost like right now, in my opinion, Nick, the biggest problem with the Luke Getzey justin Fields offense is that you had a quarterback that lived and died on explosive plays and you had an offensive mind that thought the solution to that was to try to create efficiency whereas instead you know what if we're going to be a 220 hitter or if we're going to be a 220 hitter but we're going to hit 40 home runs well then we're just swinging for fences you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. and so at least if i was going to build this now we hit a rough spot because of the draft but what i would do nick is i would try to build a team that turned justin fields into a souped up version of 2019 ryan Tannehill. i would tell justin in as uh, i would try to find the most positive way to spin justin you're gonna throw deep and that is your job like we're gonna hit we're gonna hit big play action shots all over the field and i just need you to throw the ball and we're going to mm-hmm. go get you the receivers to make this work. And so chances are I would trade down. And I would not trade down to three Bears fans. I would not trade down to five Bears fans. I would probably trade down to eight to 12 so that I could get those three first round picks. Because if we're sticking with Justin Fields, we're going to take this trade down for all it is worth, man. I'm going to stripe somebody. I do not think Washington is going to give up more than maybe two seconds. Best case scenario. I don't think New England is going to give me three firsts. They might give me two firsts. And if I can be very direct with you guys, I don't think you need a number two wide receiver to be Marvin Harrison to make this plan work. Because to be honest with you, Nick, I'm not expecting the receivers to explode that hard. I need guys that are good. I need, or I would love somebody that can make a relatively contested catch, but I'm mostly hunting for like Roma Dunze and probably even Brock Bowers. And if not, you know what? Guys like Keon Coleman, guys like Tez uh, Walker. It's Walker, right? Devontae mm-hmm. Walker. Like yep. that works for me. I, I just know him as, I, I know what he looks like on North Carolina uniform. Anyways, getting back to it. Uh, I'd probably try to find ways, Nick, to invest in the offensive line. 
in this case. Because while the inclination would be to build a badass defense, and this is where I don't know where I make the upgrades, but I need to get like a JC Latham type and put him in guard, right? People are going to call it an overinvestment. But if you're going to build this plan, you have to build an offensive line that is badass. (laughs) Like Dangerous. I know it's dangerous, right? But I and it, I, maybe I'll find somebody else as I go through like offensive line tape. Eventually, that's not coming up before the Senior Bowl. I am all in on the skill positions, right? Uh, okay. But I would probably try to take some free agent money and throw it at a defensive lineman, and I would get to work on a Fields extension as soon as I could. Whatever I could get it at, man. If I could get him to agree to one of those Jordan Love like extensions where he basically takes the fifth year option and spreads out the cap hit, I'm interested. But the biggest thing I want to avoid is Fields asking for the big banger contract that ruined, ironically, the same Titans team we're talking about. But maybe, Nick, you try to get Fields on the concept of a three-year extension that starts nearly right now, reorganizes the fifth-year bonus, gives him a little bit of a raise with some more guaranteed money, where you say, hey, you're our guy for the next three years. And that is it. We are not doing the $200 million five-year deal, but we can give you a $80 million deal stretched over three years with $50 million guaranteed. You taking it? I would be shocked if he's not, right? Mm -hmm. But maybe he would, or maybe he would spurn it. Maybe David Mulgetta throws a monkey wrench in this, and that's one of my biggest things. But if you want me to keep going, I can, because I feel like I'm hitting my time. But it's more like (laughs) I would try to build a team because the part I didn't get into, that also just whoops ass on the ground. Like a very Packer, I would need an Aaron Jones-like slasher back so that I could do a lot of things that Green Bay is doing. It's ironic, isn't it, that we're jettisoning somebody who came from the Green Bay system as I pine for it. But I think that to really make this work, Nick, you need to make teams honor your ground game. And ironically, that was a huge issue with the 2020 three Chicago bears that their Mm -hmm. run game just wasn't dangerous enough. And Mm -hmm. so I think actual investments at the running back position may be called for. Don't know where those come from because the big hot name in free agency is going to be Saquon Barkley. And I just, I don't think he's got that tread anymore. Like, and so I don't know where you find your, your back that's going to do it for you. Free agent running backs have been nothing but a problem. When you look at just big name backs in free agency over the last, what do you think, five, 10 years? Like, it's been a killing field. Uh, Almost that all. <laughs> right? But I, I look, and if I'm keeping Justin Fields, I want to embrace who he is. I want to see if I can add a little bit more. And to me, it's to, make, it's to create more chunk plays. It's basically giving up on trying to create a true short game with Justin Fields and instead saying, you're going to be our uppercut. You're going to be our haymaker. You're going to be our hooks. You're going to be all these kinds of punches. And then we're going to use the run game as our jab. And we're going to create such a comprehensive run Mm -hmm. game that all you're going to do is throw. It's going to be just like Ohio state. Honestly, Nick, like we're going to throw the ball 21 times. And if we ever throw it more than that, we probably lost. (laughs) You know what I mean? Well, but they, they had some big plays. So, so basically what I'll do is, because um, I mean, I don't think that we really are big disagreements as we're in our four Justin Fields case. So I think what I'm going to do is, because I, I have a lot of things typed out, I'll build around yours and we'll kind of go at it together. So, I, and again, PFF had just, I think, around like quarterback 20 this year in terms of his overall grade. So here's the other thing we have to think about is 
we I think we all can agree that Justin Fields has not had a fair shake in his three years. Um, when you look at, I mean, probably bottom five offensive coaching, probably bottom five, uh, for sure bottom five interior offensive line. That has been bad. Um, bottom five wide receiver two. I mean, over the years. And he's at a wide receiver one for one year. So if we, if we picture this together and he's 20-ish right now, you get even an average OC. We went through a bunch of OCs. Let's say he gets up to like quarterback 16, okay? Dead average. Then you get just an average center. We're not talking about the best. We're talking about someone that's not 32nd multiple years. Looking at you, Sam Mustafer and Lucas Patrick. Quarterback 14, right? Bump up a couple more spots because he's not, because interior pressure is Justin's biggest issue. So if you seal that up, it's going to be way better. And then just get him an average wide receiver too that wants to be there and maybe didn't quit on the team, Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney, right? So that's maybe quarterback 12. So right there, some like just minuscule things are some easy paths. I think to Justin being, hey, quarterback 12, you could argue maybe top 10-ish type of a quarterback. And I don't think that's me taking a huge leap. That's, hey, you've had some really crap, like, situations around you, and you had to be the hero. Plus, as we talked about, I know you've studied some film on this, but, like, I've seen Justin in Ohio State, and it's obviously very similar to what he is now. But, man, he is just a shell. Like, I don't know what Luke Getze was doing to him, but it was basically like, hey, like if you tell someone that's golfing, right, that is slicing or whatever, you're like, hey, man, don't mess up. Don't mess up. Don't mess up. Don't mess up. And then they slice it because they're thinking of messing up. Like it's I feel like he's like so much in his head instead of just gripping and ripping. And then by the time we saw him gripping and ripping in week six, he hurt his thumb again. Can I give you <clears throat> my favorite analogy? Because this is exactly how I feel. I'm so glad you brought up golf. I have one of the worst slices in America. Like, I mean, Nick, I can, can you can you record this? I want to see it. I, I you know what? One day I will. And a lot okay. of it comes from the fact that with my lacrosse background, I'm so wrist dominant that I keep wanting to flick the club through the ball. Well, and don't it is, you dare. It is horrible. No. And so for about four years on and off, I'm not that avid a golfer, so I won't pretend it's like I was working at it on the range, et cetera, et cetera. But I was always trying to perfect my form. Okay, I, put my, I straighten up here. All right, I get my legs this way. I get my balance this way. All right, so my shoulders here. This is what I need to do. And unsurprisingly, my game got worse and the slice still didn't really fix. It got a little better. Right. But especially if I tried to rip a long ball or needed any distance, oh, it came right back until I realized, Nick, what if I just set the club an inch in front of the ball, like higher from the ball, expecting the club to come down? And that has just worked like a charm, Mm -hmm. like basically saying I'm going to swing naturally and I'm just going to make a smaller adjustment that's maybe a little more overt to account for what I'm doing naturally. And it's it has helped me play a lot freer and have a lot more fun at the golf course. And mm-hmm. to me, I can't help but think that this Eberflus Getsy regime, the 200 club that we've only recently heard about, is a perfect sermonization of how I believe this Bears coaching staff. Do you want to explain the 200 club? 
So it's a little comment that we heard Fields and Getze make over the last couple weeks, right? And there's no way they haven't been talking about this for two years. Like, I think it came out, and I don't think Eberflus wanted it out for this exact reason, that <clears throat> the 200 club is short for two zero zero, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, zero sacks. And it perfectly explains why Justin Fields looked like he did in week one of the 2023 season. And that is not a good thing. Right, Nick? Like, it looked like a quarterback more focused on the two zeros at the end than reaching the two at the front. And that's That's why you don't throw it into tight coverage. That's why you don't take any chances. Don't make any mistakes. No mistakes. When you think of that, Robert, like, who who wins in UFC? Who wins in, think of almost any sporting event? Is it the team that never makes a mistake or is it the team that actually makes plays? The team that actually does something. It, like, because there's an aggressive part to sports. The only one I can think of like that would be like tennis, where you're like, I'm not going to make any unforced errors. And the person just makes a bunch of unforced errors. But you could even argue that when in tennis you make no unforced errors, that that in and of itself is a completely different achievement because being that shot perfect is not some choice. That's a that's a massive display of skill. Yeah, yeah, you know that's what true. I'm saying? Yeah, that's true. And so within football, I mean, I don't think that there's a better encapsulation than the fact that Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are both like interception fiends, right? <laughs> like in the world yeah. of in the world of choose to, right? Touchdowns, less sacks, less interceptions. Oh, these guys choose they actually don't take all that many sacks. So they choose less sacks. They choose more mm-hmm. touchdowns and they will throw you picks. Like they got no issues doing that. They'll just throw 35 touchdowns and make up for it very quickly. And so it's so interesting to me looking at this Eberflus Getsy regime, because in a world, I think Nick, now that they've got fields thinking so much about not throwing interceptions, he holds onto the ball more, which only makes the sack problem uh, worsen. So even while Justin Fields is looking for the checkdown, we still take about, what do you think, one to one and a half sacks completely out of turn because we didn't throw the ball at a target that probably would have at least created an incompletion, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what are we so scared of? It almost becomes a question. Well, but- you know you know what's also interesting, too, with this is the one thing that I noticed by looking at some of Justin Fields' plays that he made two years ago versus this year is he had more long runs, but that was also him being more aggressive. This year, it was more of like, okay, don't get sacks, don't turn the ball over, and don't get hurt. Like, that's all you have to do, right? Now, you can do that stuff when you have the Brock Purdy team around you. You know what I mean? Like, when you got, like, the squad, sure, man, you can just be John Stockton. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But, like, I feel like for the Bears to win, like, with what he's had, you got to be Russell Westbrook, man. Like you got to like be the point guard, but then you also got to score the point. So it, it's just interesting because he takes the 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 slides and 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 because only a couple times you saw him, he's like, you know what, I'm gonna try and get by this guy, and he does because oh, yeah. he's athletic and he's strong and he can do it. So it was weird that the conservativeness was everywhere. But oh, well, let me get into the rest of this stuff because there's a lot here. for it. Um, all right. So the other part was again, he hurt his thumb, so yep. that affected. You could argue two thirds of his year this year that I don't think we're taking into account enough, Um, whether that's all physical, that could be some mental taking a big break in the middle of the year and then coming back and seeing how that goes. So we just talked about the running ability. When When you shift from fields to someone else, let's say you lose that he's one of the best runners 
you could argue ever in NFL history in terms of his ability to be elite, to get first downs, chunk plays, touchdowns just on his own. Right. There are other people that are crafty. There are people that will get some. Not, I can't think of hardly any that are getting 60, 70 yard touchdowns because they're just God given gifted that way. So mm-hmm. that's another thing that you would not get if you don't stick with Justin Fields. Um, also, the ability to extend and create, and we saw this in him getting more receivers open. That's an elite trait when you have these defenses that are looking at him way more than looking at other people. Um, the case for Justin Fields has to include the potential assets that you get in this trade. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about that, and I, I think that you could argue a couple of things. One is, I think multiple assets is better than one asset when you talk of probabilities and risk, risk assessments, right? Injuries. I mean, RG3, sadly, right? Players that bust, don't live with the potential, legal issues, suspensions, like those are all bad things. Like we don't want to think about, you know, the Ray Rice and the Henry Ruggs, but like that's still, that's, it, it's in the realm of possibilities. I hope it never happens again, but it, it, that's stuff can happen. So when you have one versus four assets or five, whatever how it works, like you're like, well, you know, if this happens to the one, we're screwed. If it happens to one over here, well, we still got some more assets that could work. So just in terms of probability, that that favors the one side. Also, a deep team, if you if you create this juggernaut of a team, you're going to be deeper. You'll have a depth that will overcome injuries, that will overcome poor play. You'll have better rotations. Players will be fresh. You're going to have a better product on the field overall uh, from that. Um, and as you talked about, there's more than one way to win with a quarterback. It doesn't have to be just a top quarterback we talked about this with the nfc maybe some of the best quarterbacks aren't still in the playoffs right now um and you have to kind of weigh the um you know the probability of the rookie quarterback is it that much better than justin and assets is, is part of the the debate and the other one is you can hedge your bet here a little bit too so let's say you go through with this you give the little jordan love extension or however you want to do this with fields and let's say it doesn't work out in 2024 then 2025, likely, you'll have multiple first-round picks. You could then get your quarterback or move up. Or you could do the same thing in 2026. So, again, you could hedge this a little bit. And, again, I think hedging has its advantages. The other one, too, is it looks like Field has won the locker room. Losing the locker room, leadership, um, trust with teammates, that's a thing. Now, again, I think that having some, you know, the teammates, I mean, there's always going to be change. But the quarterback losing that could have a domino effect as well. And the other one, too, is we've seen this happen with, and people have talked about this all the time, with a rookie quarterback for the Bears and a new head coach. Rookie head quarterback for the, for the Bears and, you know, how, how it just works out with Trubisky. It's worked out with et cetera. The Fluce is not secure for a super long term. It might no. be one year. It might be two years. And bringing in the rookie might be not be the most advantageous in terms of this timeline. And Ryan Poles has already been convinced once. He could be convinced again. So I think there's a lot here to talk about with Justin. And I know that people are frustrated. Me and Robert are frustrated. Yeah. We want we want what's best for the Bears. Mm-hmm. But to my core, and I've talked about this before, I do see a path to success with keeping Justin and how this rest of his team can come together. So the trouble is, at least for me, am I allowed to pivot now? 
Yeah, we can pivot. Now, now we're going to go against Justin. Yep. So, so the trouble is, is that there are a lot of teams that I can make that same argument for, Nick. And I think if, you, if I polled the Atlanta Falcons and the Las Vegas Raiders and the Miami, I'm going to throw Miami in this, just to be clear, because I think it's, I think it's a cutthroat league. Right. If you ask the Miami Dolphins, if you asked the Minnesota Vikings are my favorite example to put in this conversation. Right. OK, you have the number one pick. What would you do with it? They would all draft a quarterback. Right. They're actually trying to solve the problem of we don't have a quarterback. How do we get one? Right. Because the biggest issue that we see right now, uh, one of your football guys, guys, Dave Klug, did a great thread that I thought surmised a, a yep. lot of the problem pretty well. Where to to give you the cliff notes, he basically took a look at how successful is the first quarterback drafted in every draft compared to other quarterbacks, right? And the answer he found is that the first quarterback drafted hits 4,000 yards 70% of the time, has a 30 TD season 45% of the time, starts 80 games 81% of the time, wins a playoff game, and makes a Pro Bowl 70% of the time each. And then you compare it to the numbers of anybody drafted between two and 32. And suddenly those numbers fall a lot. Suddenly mm -hmm. 4,000 yard seasons, 25%, 30 plus touchdowns, 24%, 80 starts, 35%, playoff win, 38%, Pro Bowl, 33%. Look, I could keep reading. You should go check it out. It's on my Twitter. Nick, is it on your Twitter? I actually haven't retweeted, but I've talked to Dave about it a bunch. And it, I'm sure you have. And it's more to say that finding the quarterback it, the finding the quarterback that everybody else missed is a lot harder than finding the quarterback that everybody else generally agreed on, right? Mm -hmm. And the data gets even funnier to me, Nick, when you then factor in the fact that you've got situations just like last year where actually the number one quarterback was pretty contentious, depending on who you asked. We all agreed that number one was probably going to be Bryce Young, but most people thought that was a silly decision. Like, if you asked all the same people, like, Nick, were you like this? If you'd asked me last year, okay, who do you think is going to get taken at number one? I would have been like, I think it's going to be Bryce Young. It should probably be Stroud, but I think it's going to be Bryce Young. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I, I liked Young, but I, I like Stroud too. So, I mean, it was a... It wasn't a super big consensus, no. No, and don't let me strip it away because, like, Young's – I still think Young's a better player than we've seen in Carolina. Oh, sure, yeah. Horrible situation. But the whole point of what I'm getting to is, to me, the scariest part about what we've seen with Justin Fields is that if he doesn't take a step forward relatively soon, you are joining all of these other teams that they don't have resources and they need to solve the biggest problem in football – the Bears would have resources and they would need to solve the biggest problem in football. But chances are, Nick, you're not going to be able to put together unless you packaged four first rounders, like the two 2025 first rounders and the two 2026 first rounders. Mm -hmm. Even then, you may not get it. your shot at the number one overall pick of that draft if that team just decides to use it. So mm -hmm. you're kind of binding yourself to that two to 32 range and the team will be better. Absolutely. But if your quarterback needs to come through for you in a clutch moment, is Justin going to be able to do that? And mm -hmm. so right, right now, we just haven't seen it. And it's part of why you heard me earlier, Nick, making the argument that I want Justin Fields to, to be in a situation where he can take that step backwards so that he can take that leap forwards. Because Justin, in his current state, I don't know where the fourth quarter comeback comes from.
I mean, that's not to say it's never in there, right, Nick? It's more to say we can limit things around fields defensively. There are he doesn't respond super well to spot drop zone. When you get no. color in the area of where his receivers are, he sees it. He doesn't seem like he sees passing lanes and throwing windows so much as he sees defender in space right now. Maybe a little too large, right? And so yeah. I would love to see him able to dismantle those problems and uh, and basically just work them down somewhere else rather than committing to being, I'm JF1, I'm going to run the ball, this is what I do, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's that moment where he decides that he's a lower version of player than I think we think he can be that I think the battle's over, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not like we're there yet. I mean, it doesn't help anything. That Justin Fields' trade value is that as high as it's going to be right now. The moment his fifth-year option decision is made one way or another, suddenly you lose a full year of control. You are going to gain more data points. He'll be less of an enigma of what the Bears did to him because like you're saying, right now, Nick, it's really easy to make the argument the Bears gave him nothing and he gave them an underperforming performance but still mm -hmm. worth mentioning. That's worth something, isn't it? The, 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 the fifth-year option has to get – they'll decide. They'll make the decision before the fifth-year option has to come true, right? Say that again? The Bears will? Yeah, like they'll either trade the number one pick and they'll exercise the fifth-year option or they'll trade fields and the new oh, team will. well before the, the fifth-year option. I'm, right? That's part of why I think his trade value is high, right? Okay, just, yeah. I, I, just, I was trying to remember the date of the fifth-year option. It's I guess, after the draft. Okay. So they'll absolutely make the decision before then. And in fact, I think the fact that you have the fifth-year option is, it, is the reason you're trying to trade him now. Like, ironically, I think if the, if Fields was a second-year quarterback, that I don't I don't know that you would pass on Caleb for this, but I'm not allowed to talk about the quarterback, so I'm not going to. No, it's we're not. To, it's more to say that Fields has put you in a funky proposition or in a funky position, where now if you pass on number one, the other part of this Nick that I think is ugly, and we're never going to know, what's his agent going to do? Is his agent willing to play ball? to get Justin and the team mm -hmm. a deal that meets in the middle? Or is he going to take the fact that quarterbacks hold all the cards and run with it if you deal number one? If it's the latter, you have signed up for a Jordan Love level extension without getting the playoff win, right? But well, well, or it's kind of like Jalen Johnson. Right? We just saw where, oh, no, I don't need top corner money. And then all of a sudden when it's going to come to, hey, I want top corner money now that I have you. Hey, remember when I said I was going to be reasonable and I loved Chicago? Actually, if you don't pay me $50 million, I'm never going to play for you again. Mm -hmm. And good luck without me. Like, I, we don't know, right? Mm -hmm. But I do think people keep overselling how bad Justin's been. I think a lot of modern metrics work against him for better or for worse, right? Like, I think that the Bears' passing volume and the fact that he doesn't work the short game like a lot of other guys just hurts him when it comes to NFL metrics because it creates an apples to oranges comparison. I yep. think that Justin's effect is felt much more um, semantically in the run game than it is by the numbers, but I'm not trying to curb for, I'm, I'm not trying to thump for him too hard. Right. I, so I mean, I have a few things against Justin, but I, this is how I just feel about Justin. And again, like again, been a bears fan for my whole life. Mm -hmm. I've been through the Peter Tom Willis's and the Henry Burris's and the Cordell Stewart's y'all. Like I've been through it all. Mitch, you know, like, 
there were good parts of Mitch Trubisky, then there were bad parts of Mitch Trubisky, but we kind of knew. Yeah, we knew. I, I have more hope that Justin's actually going to become a better starting quarterback than I did with Mitch. So, like, that's the part where it's like, you you could be like, yeah, he like because Mitch had guys around him. Mitch had a great defense. Justin, it's like, hey, you're down by two scores. Good luck, bro. You're down by twenty points. Good luck. Right. So here, here, but again, the the negative parts of Justin against Justin. So we do, and again, I've I've dispelled this a bit in terms of. Uh, on on my Twitter, but there is the cheap rookie contract that is against him. Yeah, I don't and think so, that's a contract thing that's right as big but, a deal. But keep going. But it's it's still a thing, right? And you know, you, have, you could offset it with the the rookie picks you would get, but still. So we talked about the fourth quarter. You talked about some of the short passing. Middle of the field is a concern. I mean, that's one thing that you see in this playoffs is you when you don't utilize the middle of the field, the safeties can be wider. They they can adjust their coverages, and so. Justin needs to do that. And if he doesn't, it really makes your whole offense more vulnerable because defenses are like, cool, I don't care about the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. And if he and if he does throw there, I only need like one guy there to kind of mess it up. His pocket presence, after watching a lot more quarterbacks, his pocket presence, especially, and it's not just not seeing the rush. When I mean pocket presence, there's this subtle movement that you can have where you just move a few feet a few inches away from the rush while your eyes are down the field where you can see out of your peripheral that some quarterbacks have. And when you have that, you increase your pocket time with a guy not in your face and be able to get rid of throws cleanly that Justin, I think he's just below average at that, to be honest with you. Nick, do you play any video games ever? Uh, well, I used to a lot. Okay. So did you ever play any shooters? I'm terrible at those games. I, I'm sure you are. Ride with me on this. Did you okay. ever play any I mean, I've, I've played them, but I'm terrible, yeah. Okay, okay. Was it easier to hit a target sitting still or moving, even if it was just little movement side to side, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. We know we know the answer to this. Yeah. So obviously the moving one's harder to hit, right? right? right. And that's as deep as we're going to go in this gaming metaphor. The point is edge rushers have aim points. And when you're working the tackle, you are aiming for a very specific spot, usually about eight to nine yards in the drop. And when the quarterback steps up, you have to work back through the tackle the other way. And like you're talking about, I do think it's obvious in the playoffs when the quarterback hits the back of their drop and steps forward, they can even backpedal backwards again. And all they're doing is just changing the angle. For the edge rusher, little by little, every single step, it's annoying. It creates pocket time. It forces the, it allows your tackle to get back into the rep in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. And Fields has this, it, you're, you're talking about what I'm saying, right? Fields has oh, this yeah. annoying habit of not moving at all at the back no. of his drop. And, and he can. You obviously know he can. He's, He's so fast. It's so athletic. Like, just step forward. Just make it. So mechanical. Drake May, I know I'm not allowed to talk about him, has this goofy habit where he drifts towards where he's throwing nearly 100% of the time, but it's movement. And you'll be, you will see people on Twitter talking about how great Drake May's pocket presence is when I am almost certain, Nick, it is totally learned. Like, I don't know if Drake feels it so much as he has a path that he's going to move for every single throw because. That's better than not moving at all. And 
we're year three of Fields' NFL career. Mm-hmm. Are we sure we can learn that in year well, four? I, I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, and again, I'm going to say a name that people are going to be upset about, but like Aaron Rodgers, there's so many parts of this game that are great, right? I mean, he's one of the, one of the best five quarterbacks of all time. Right. Um, his pocket presence, I think, might be his best trait. He His movements and to be able to get subtle and, and to avoid sacks and avoid hits, like it was the way to describe it to me as a Bears fan. I would describe it as annoying. It was annoying yes. that you could never get to him. Annoying you could never get in his face. You couldn't hit the guy. And that's because he always moved just a little bit. So that's one thing that I, that's a negative on fields right now. Um, the I got a fun fact are, about Aaron Rodgers for you. Oh, shoot. So uh, a lot of people have said exactly the same thing I did, or that you just did. I said it. Uh, if you had to guess Aaron Rodgers is pressured to sack rate, what do you think it would be? And just keep in mind, Patrick Mahomes sits around 12% year over year. That's a very good figure. Justin Fields' pressure to sack rate is a little closer to like 27, 28% coming out of college. I don't know what it is in the pros. That's pretty bad. Uh, 20% is considered pretty high. Would you like yep. to guess Rodgers' standard year over year figure? Man, because, man, the end of his career, he held the ball on way more than he did early in the career in terms of trying to make a big plays. So it's probably going to average out. Um, I'm going to say 8%. So year over year, Nick, I my eyes popped out of my, my head when I saw that in 2011, in 2012, in 2013, I'm talking year by year. 17, 19, 24, 22, 21, 22, 24. We remember Rodgers being the pocket wizard he was. He took sacks. He just found wow. so many home run plays. You forgot yeah. the sacks happened at all because he took a six yard loss on second or on first and 10. And then he hit a rope down the sidelines on third and 16. Yep. that made you forget it ever happened. It's mm-hmm. I only mention that because there's a certain quarterback in this draft that gets a lot of criticism for the same thing that I can't help but wonder. Maybe we're misremembering. Misre- misre- Hall of Famer, but like I've talked about on the show, I'm really wary about comparing anybody to a Hall of Famer. Yeah, we we shouldn't do that. That's Um, stupid. You know what I mean? So again, like whether, you know, it's snaps or whatever, there are fumble concerns with Justin, right? And you're right, Um, because the centers are, uh, I can't say that word. Uh, It was going to be, it was going to have to do with dog, if you get what I'm saying. They're poo-poo. They're really bad. (laughs) Um. Here's here's one thing that I've 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 talked about on a video, but I think this actually might be my biggest concern with Justin is um, I'm concerned he might not gain his confidence back. And that's huge. Obviously, for a young player, you didn't see it happen with so many Blake Bortles, uh, Sam Darnold, um, David Carr. So Derek's brother. Uh, you can go through the list of a bunch of them that never got their confidence back, whether that confidence was college, whether it was some positives their rookie year, but then they never got it again. But then you do see some people that do. Like, I'm so happy for Baker Mayfield. I'm happy that Jared Goff has had a, a bounce back, but it's rare. I mean, the, you talked about Ryan Tannehill. He had it for like a year, a year and a half, and then gone. So gaining your confidence back um, is, a, is a concern because – is he ever going to trust his O line? 
is he ever going to trust his receivers that they're going to win besides it's DJ Moore, unless you get a Marvin Harrison, like has to be an elite guy. So that that's, that's a concern I have. Again, he needs to be more consistent. You, you have to have more consistency on a down-to-down basis that you're not going to take a bad sack. You're not going to be behind the chains. And then you're still able to hit guys open when they do present themselves as open. Injuries are another concern because, I, as I said with Jalen Johnson, I'm consistent, y'all. The best ability is availability. availability. If, if you don't have your quarterback out there every week, it, it hurts the ball club. And so there's been some injuries there, whether it's freak injuries or his fault or not. He's had some of those. I think he's avoided some, too, which is just shocking um, from all the hits that he takes. Seriously. As, we, as we've talked about with Montez Sweat, he's a multiplier. A great quarterback is a multiplier. And if we're being honest, the odds of Justin Fields being a great quarterback in the NFL is very low right now. And you have a better chance at that dynasty, you know, like being able to be in the playoffs every single year, et cetera, by taking another chance at an, or a number one pick quarterback, as you kind of talked about with Dave Kluge's, you know, tweet. Than you do with with Fields. I think you have a better shot at that consistency because you do have that 2018 team or that one Jaguars team that's like really good, but you don't get that consistently in there, at least in this era, is what it said, you know, so far. And then, you know, throwing on time, uh, the anticipation stuff. I mean, that thing I think has been beat to death, but I think that is the thing that could be better. Um, and then here's the other it thing is too. beat to death, by the yeah. way. It, yeah, it, it, it gets pretty exhausting bringing it it's, up because it's. It, it doesn't it almost ceases to matter whether it's true or not it just starts to feel like bullying like when right. you bring well it, it feels up like again. that's all that people have it's like well not every correct throws with great a anticipation no um, they just make up for it in another way yeah right jo- josh allen doesn't always throw with anticipation y'all he just has a cannon he's like oh you're open i'm gonna fling it in there the other one is this so we i talk about the the package that you could get all the time and and actually, I, I, I do have a, a scenario here for Robert uh, after we're done with this. But here's the thing against Justin Fields is we talk about this, this package you're going to get with the trade. You already won, y'all. Yep. You traded the Bryce Young, you could argue CJ Stroud thing, and I made a poll on Twitter about this, for the 101 this year, whether it's Caleb or May, DJ Moore, Darnell Wright, Tyreek Stevenson, a... a fourth round pick this year because you move back from nine to ten and a second round pick next year like you've already earned the right it's not like you're losing right because you already won with that chance like it's unbelievable that lovey has delivered this for chicago so i think that's part of it too where it feels like you're you're missing which i understand in some ways but other ways you've already won with the, the trade scenario Absolutely. I mean, like you're talking about, it's kind of house money. I mean, we are, there is a conversation, whether it's Caleb Williams or Drake May that you're looking at, and people are kind of talking like using number one is akin to trading up. You don't know that the deal is on the table to move back. You can think it probably is, but we do this a lot where we come up with phantom trade offers for, I can't believe that he took Dallas Turner at nine instead of trading back for two twos and a future first and still being able to get Keon Coleman. We don't know that that got offered. It does take two to tango. And And if I was Washington, despite what a lot of Bears fans think, I wouldn't give three firsts to move up one spot right now. Like, nope. you just can't do it. 
you will change your plan over the fact that we've talked about this a lot, Nick, where it's like the, the owner or the deal that you would want to take as a Bears fan right now is a franchise sinking deal. And I do wonder which franchises are actually willing to offer you that. Because mm-hmm. if you and I changed the conversation and it wasn't three firsts, it was two firsts and two seconds. Does that change it for some Bears fans? I imagine it does for some. Well, what if it's two firsts and one second to move back that far? That's still yeah. a sweet deal. You're objectively getting more capital, but mm-hmm. you do lose the whole benefit of number one overall. So, so here, here's one scenario and that I because there is a price point, y'all, where there has to be a price point, no matter what, whether you are for Justin, you are against Justin, mm-hmm. where you're like, you know what? I would do this because this is be, be better than bringing in a rookie quarterback for right. the Bears, for the team, for the future, whatever. Here's the scenario, Robert. Mm-hmm. Okay. And again, we could debate, I guess, whether this team would do this or not. And I think these aren't super unrealistic, I don't think, but we'll see. Is Chicago trades back with Washington for a second this year and a second next year. Mm-hmm. So it's not both seconds because they have two, but I'm trying to make this more realistic where you don't get everything at once. I like it. And, 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 when, and when you wait and when you wait a year, it also like it diminishes the pick a little bit more. So it helps the value. But you also you do get a first next year from Washington. So you get two ones and you get two twos. Okay. Damn. So let's just go with it. Okay. Because Caleb's from DC and they mm-hmm. want him so bad. Let's just say with the new regime, whatever. Okay. Then you move down again. And you could pick whatever team you guys want. You could pick the Giants, Atlanta. Oh, man, so you've just got a disgusting Denver, amount of draft capital. Whatever, right. And you moved out, and then you get um, your three ones and two twos, whatever. Does it? Would that be convincing for people that are anti-Justin? So I think things get really funky for Justin if you do that. Not because Justin's bad. It's not about that, right, Nick? It's more like, okay, so if I'm going to get that much draft capital, the question becomes, do I trust Justin Fields enough to steward it, right? We've talked a little bit about, we've mentioned a couple times that the Packers developed Jordan Love, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I'll ask you this, Nick. Why don't other teams attempt to do this? Um, Their owners aren't patient enough. Is that it, though? I think so. See, I think it's because teams do try. They just can't find an Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre off the street that's convincing enough to fans that he's worth not playing the rookie and creating uh, the ability for that player to live in anonymity. Does that make sense? Like, Well, I mean, like, I think people try. I mean, you could argue, you could debate. I mean, for a bit that happens, like Jalen Hurts, right? But that's a second-round pick. Like, it's different. You don't get a top guy. Yeah. No, you don't, do you? Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, the best example that I can think of to prove my point, I guess, is that I'm still convinced that the Bears attempted to do that with Mike Glennon, and he didn't last four games. Like, when when the Bears traded up for Justin Fields, they attempted to do this with Andy Dalton. And Mm -hmm. I understand he got hurt, and that's the ultimate reason that Justin got the ball. But, like, Nick, fans were killing the organization for not just playing Justin Fields. It's You talk about owners. Fans don't help. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. the, the energy in the building gets toxic if you 
draft a quarterback because people want to see it. So part of me sits here and wonders, Nick, okay, so if you had four first round picks, that's what you're telling me, right? Like yeah. I have four first round picks or three mm-hmm. first round picks next year, like three first round picks this year, extra seconds, etc. Part of me suddenly starts to look at the same class that we're staring at. And I'm like, okay, well, Nick, you tell me, would you rather have Jane Daniels? Would you rather have JJ McCarthy? Would you rather have Michael Penix? I do want an answer, if you don't mind. Oh, uh, Jaden Daniels. Okay, so uh, if you did have Jaden Daniels, would you like to sit him for a year if you had the option? Yes. So suddenly I'm going to take a look at, okay, Justin, are you cool mentoring this kid? If you aren't, we're going to have to find a place for you, and mm-hmm. we're going to have to find somebody else who's going to do it just because you you suddenly have to start thinking, okay, well, if we're going to get all these draft picks, we're aiming for 26, aren't we? Like yeah. the, the team is trying to win the Super Bowl in three years. So then mm-hmm. what Justin does in 24, doesn't, it doesn't mean as much as, as we thought it might after the big trade down because we're gearing everything for a team that isn't well, now. So yeah, yeah, yes and no, because you also could yes and no it, is right. generates, exactly. yeah, it generates competition. And, it does. And, and maybe that changes things too. I could see a world. I'm going to say something. You're going you're to think I'm on one. But like, if you told me that the Bears took Dallas Turner where Jaden Daniels goes a pick after, so you missed out on him, right? And then they take Keon Coleman. And then at the back of the first round, they take J.J. McCarthy with no intention of playing him for two full years to attempt mm-hmm. to outright Jordan love him. He's somebody that I could see picking up the NFL game if he's not pressed into duty early. Like he's the, he's exactly the Will Levis type guy. You know what I'm saying, Nick, where it's like, if you play him too soon, he's going to pick up some bad habits and he may never be what his tools say Mm -hmm. that maybe he could become. But I feel like that's still a big risk. Like if you heard Robert say that and you thought, Oh my God, JJ McCarthy. Yeah. That's, that's the argument for taking a quarterback at number one, because as soon as Justin Fields, and this is a big if, Nick, as soon as you bet on Justin Fields and that doesn't pay out, you have to find a solution and you really don't get two shots at it. You know what I mean? Well, well no. And like I said, like the hedging the bet thing, it would be without Matt Abrams. Which now you're back on the carousel. Let, mm-hmm. me, could, let me ask you this, Nick. All right. So try your best to see into the future to the point where we're looking at the 2027 Bears. Okay. Mm-hmm. If Matt Eberflus was still the head coach, does that mean something went well? Or does that mean something went badly? Oh, something had to go well. Something probably had to go well. Oh, right? I mean, I mean you, you have at least two playoff appearances in there. Probably. I mean, at least. I hope mm-hmm. you have two playoff wins. Like, mm-hmm. at, by 2027? Anyways, I know stability and continuity become dirty words among Bears fan bases because a lot of times the McCaskies will try to create it artificially by not firing somebody who might've earned it rather than allowing it to happen organically. But Nick, I would argue the whole reason the Packers were able to pull off what they did with Jordan Love right now is because they are a really stable organization. They can make decisions with the future in mind as well as the now, partially because they've got a foundation and they, they know what they are. They know what they're working towards and everything in between. And so there's part of me, Nick, that just wants to see the Bears pick what they think 
is going to make them a stable org, right? We got to get off the carousel. Eventually, I don't love Eberflus either, but like we have to get off the carousel. And if you told me that Matt Eberflus was going to become the Bears' Pete Carroll, and if you said that to a Seattle fan, they're going to laugh because that doesn't always mean good things. So be it. Right, it, it should, but fans always get testy when their mm-hmm. when their team doesn't win the so, Super Bowl every year. So you know what's you know what's interesting here, Robert is. Tell me, um, I think if if they stick with Fields and they get all the draft capital, versus if they go with a rookie, I think those are two different builds. I agree. I think they're polar opposite builds. Yes, I think I think if it's Fields, I think they're not as aggressive in free agency. Because you're gonna have draft capital, and then you're gonna you're gonna turn that over. If you go with the rookie quarterback, y'all, at 101, and you trade Justin for you know, I've heard the the high end. I've heard right now recently is two seconds, which you know what, sweet deal. Yeah, if, well, if you got in my seconds. mind, that's 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 one this year, one in a future year, whatever. Now that's not the highest offer I heard about. You heard wow. about this Mel Kiper thing, okay, right? Mel. Okay, Mel. But. but <laughs> But if would you, you go send with rookie, Justin, would you send Justin tomorrow for the number eight pick in the draft? Yes, I probably would too. <laughs> it's not happening. I that was no hesitation, and I have this, this year for, for the people that say I'm a Justin whatever, and I you'd, can't ever say anything. You'd get oh, you get more than you spent for him, like or at least better than pick number eleven. Yeah, but anyways, keep going. Um, but if you go with a rookie, you have to think of what the formula is. You've got. You've got the cheap years built in there, right? But that's when you chase the high-priced free agents. You trade for the A.J. Browns, whatever. You know, you trade a pick to get a guy just like the Montez Sweat. Like, you would do that, and you would spend your money at least. And, the, and there's there's two different parts of the money here, y'all. There's the there's the the cap space money, but then there's also the cash flow part. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can maneuver things. You're going to cash flow and spend a bunch during the rookie contract to chase the ship within that rookie contract. So yeah, it's, it's two different builds, which makes it interesting. And that's part of polls. What does polls want to do? How does he want to build it? And another thing, Nick, that I think is really worth talking about here. Okay. So bears fan, you may not be all about drafting a rookie quarterback, Justin Fields rules. I mean, I, I have to say this, Nick, because I feel like I would be remiss in saying it. First of all, I love Justin Fields, the person. Any talk about mm-hmm. moving on from Justin Fields has nothing to do with Justin Fields, the person. If I had the opportunity to somehow reach back into time and draft Justin Fields and put him in this class, I do think, Nick, as nutty as I know this sounds, because I have watched who Justin Fields has been for three years, Justin is without a doubt, like ahead of Jaden Daniels. And I think he pushes May really hard. Like Mm -hmm. Justin's college tape slaps all the same. And I still would wonder what could he be if you Mm -hmm. put really good pieces around him. But the part that scares me the most, Nick, is when I look at all of the pieces that the Bears have right now, and especially if they spend a little in free agency, like you're talking about, this is the, the best the best quarterback developing scenario I've ever seen the Bears put together. Yes. Like, well, you you could debate. I I can't think of one that's better than maybe Kansas City getting Mahomes because you have right. You have Kelsey there. You have Andy Reid there, et cetera. I can't think of a better one, maybe ever. You you could debate Kyle Shanahan where it doesn't always work out. You got all the weapons around there already for Trey Lance. You know, right? Um, but it could be one of the best ones 
in a while. It sure feels that way, doesn't it? Like, I mean, the Bears are going to have, we hope, a passable offensive line. Hopefully it's better than passable. But even with what they have right now, Nick, there are a lot of offensive lines around the country that don't have Tevin Jenkins and Darnell Wright at all, let alone Tevin Jenkins, Darnell Wright, a solid left tackle, and a right guard that, God, we hope he rebounds a little bit. He should right? be better. He, he should be, be better. Be be- he should. We hope he's going to be okay next year with maybe we reach for better than okay, and we just hope he, don't, he doesn't have to be replaced, right? I could list out all the things. Bears fans, you've heard it before. But the part that makes me the most excited, Nick, and I cannot believe I'm speaking like this, now I feel like I'm in a coaching room, right, is if you do sign a couple defensive studs, you get like a Geno Stone, maybe you, you know what, let's go with the uh, the Nick Whalen way. Let's get a, let's get Bryce Huff, let's get Antoine Winfield, and give me one more defensive free agent that you mentioned. Um, Christian Wilkins. Christian Wilkins. F- screw it. Right now, we've just got a badass D line. We've got a sweet safety. We've got a corner playing on the tag. Caleb is going to have games where he turns the ball over three times in the first three quarters, and it's still within a score. That doesn't happen without a decent defense or better than a decent defense. You know what I'm saying, Nick? Like, there's this aspect of developing a quarterback that I personally think you don't want your quarterback to believe that the game is over the first time he makes a mistake. The Mm -hmm. Josh Allen plays with reckless abandon. Like, not only does he put his body on the line to pick up three yards, uh, like three extra yards when he's already four yards short of the sticks on a third down run. It doesn't really make any sense. You do you, Josh. But like the the Josh, I, Allen, I, yeah. I love watching him play. Do you love watching him so play? So much fun. He's, he's so like, much he, fun. he's like, because I don't like the, okay, let's be careful, check down, whatever. Like, I want the guys like, ah. Oh. Him and his, Pat. Like his college tape was amazing. I was oh, a yeah. huge, like literally y'all, you want to receipt me, go look up my Twitter, right? Search Josh Allen. I was one of his biggest supporters in college. Cause I'm like, he's doing things no one else can do. If he can like increase the completion percentage by checking down and whatever, he'll get there. But I, I get what you're saying. Like you want your correct to play that way, play freely, mm-hmm. be who they are. Don't believe that the moment you make a mistake is the moment your team loses. Josh Allen plays like he believes if he throws a pick, his defense is going to figure it out. And if they don't, he'll make another play anyways, right? And I look at DJ Moore, who, look, I we talked about this with Justin. Man, that Washington game was one of the most, like, field-tilting performances I've ever seen from a receiver. Like, 230 yards and almost all of it on broken tackles. Like, Oh, oh, oh it should have been four touchdowns, y'all. Remember the out-of-bounds? Right. And I know that that ever word is a lot. We've seen field tilting performances from Tyree kill, but the throws that DJ was doing that on and the consistency with which he was breaking dudes ankles, man, that was awesome. You give, Mm -hmm. you give a couple of those to Drake Bayer, Caleb Williams. You have to believe those guys are going to take a breath. Right. And then hopefully by week 10, they're hitting second read digs over the middle. They're threading RPOs against the blitz. Like they're doing a couple more things that put the ball in their playmakers' hands and let their playmakers rip off big plays. And I hope, Nick, I'm going to say something that you've said, but now we're going to put it about the Bears. I hope we're laughing that the league is overrating our guy. I hope we're giggling about the fact that the rookie's actually not doing all that much. Like the scheme is good, the he's got great blocking, and yeah. the receiver that they added are 
like the receiver they added is open all the time. And so he and DJ Moore are making plays. It's barely work. Like, I hope we're talking about how it's actually pretty easy for him in, in Chicago yeah, right now. He's a system guy. Cool. Whatever. You, you know, so, you know, what's interesting. Uh, so actually one really quick thing is I looked up, I just, I was curious. I looked up Nate Davis's PFF like history. Man, he's got a rebound. He was he, he finished 60th, y'all, among all guards this year. His three previous years were 17th, 25th, and 16th. Like he's, I, he has he's to rebound. Got a rebound. Has got to. a rebound. And that's that's <laughs> massive. But you know, the one thing that got me excited thinking about this, and um is because you you should spend the money when you do have the rookie quarterback, is I know we're all very focused on getting that receiver at number nine um, and hoping one gets there or getting another one. They could, Robert, go and talk to Cincinnati, talk to the Colts, talk to some of these teams and be like, hey, Michael Pittman, I know you got a young quarterback, but hey, we'll send you the second we get from from Justin. And we'll take Michael Pittman for you when they franchise him, whatever, and then sign him or T Higgins. And then you matching that up and you have two guys that don't have to develop. They're already very, very good receivers. And you talk about setting up your quarterback, your rookie quarterback in the best situation possible. That's how you do it. It's, it's exactly why I keep looking at Chris Jones, man. It's the same idea, but it's applying it on the defense where it's like, even if, Chris Jones gives me fifth best DT in football in 2024 and decays from there. I would almost argue that 2024 season is where I desperately need him to be a dominator. You know what I'm talking about, Nick, where it's like that first rookie year, like give the rookie something that he can grab onto make. I want Caleb to walk into a room I say it's Caleb, but it could be Drake. I want whoever the quarterback is to walk into a room and not feel like the best player. Like, obviously, I want him to be a confident kid. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But like, less pressure for him. Bryce Young, what do you think? What do you think Bryce Young really thought about the fact that his guy was Adam Thielen? Like, his. (laughs) Well, we we had that debate with Panthers fans all offseason. Apparently, they were like mad at Bears Twitter. And we're like, okay, you picked the fight. You guys have a terrible crew. Well, Part of it is because we saw it, Robert. It was a reflection of what we've always seen. Except our weapons suck. We have to talk ourselves into Bayless Jones, talk ourselves into, you know, whomever else. Would you have rather had wide or Darnell Mooney? Like, I know you're frustrated with him. Uh, Would you rather had Darnell Mooney or Adam Thielen as your wide receiver one for a season? Uh, Not knowing what Thielen did this year, uh, Darnell Mooney. I even, frankly, even with what Thielen did this year, like, especially going forward, I, I would pick Mooney. I don't know if it's all that close. I know that we don't like him right now, right? But right. I'm trying to say, Nick, you could argue that 2022, the Bears had better weapons in some case, especially with how hurt DJ Chark was this last year. Well, but, that's that's it. Well, I mean, and then they invested a second in Domingo, which you could say is the Velas Jones of it. I mean, it's. It's close. I mean, Cole Clement helps a little bit, but it was just like, but that's, that's the whole part of this thing. It's like the teams that don't do it well, they don't give the quarterback a chance. And I've, I've preached this endlessly. I know we got to We got to end this at some point, but like Eventually. my, my only wish, if it's Justin, if it's Caleb, whatever is not to do the Chris Jones thing 
It's to <laughs> surround the quarterback with as much, get the best center that you can. Yes. You get a great wide receiver too. You upgrade wide receiver three even. And yes. then, then Scott's your four. Bayless can be your five. You get a better backup tight end to Cole Komet. You surround that thing, like you're talking about where he doesn't be the best player on offense, where he can't fail. And then the confidence builds. Remember, remember early, early Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, yeah. Okay. Great defense. Jerome Bennis, fast Willie Parker, Heinz Ward. They had Plaxico. Like they had a squad. Heath Miller, right? Ben was just the the John Stockton that thing. Hey, just don't mess it up. You still can make your plays, throw it deep, but like, dude, you got you got all these guys. You're making it work. Then when he matured and he learned the game, then Big Ben was the one running the show. That's what you want to have happen. You right. want this thing to just go, okay, it's not all on your shoulders, kid. You just learn mm-hmm. a little bit over time, and then you can be the guy running the show. And to go full circle, it would take a lot to get Justin to that point in two years. That's not to say it can't be done, mm-hmm. right? But you almost have to reset Justin's development a little because I would argue, Nick, that for as much experience as he's picked up now in 40-some-odd starts, he's also picked up bad habits that you're going to have to unwind, and it's going to look very similar to developing a rookie quarterback, right? But now you have to probably get him paid somewhere in the middle rather than getting four solid years of evaluation with a fifth-year option before you can extend him a la most of the other guys that you've seen. It's not that it's undoable. It's that it's just a little more difficult. And there's mm-hmm. the variables are different. And that moment where you're hoping that the quarterback rises up. I mean, to use an example, man, I think the perfect example for this is Patrick Mahomes. Wow, Robert, pick the best quarterback in football. Why don't you? I get it. But I don't think that there was a better example of the fact that Tua looked cold. Patrick looked like he was playing in a dome. And, and I didn't, I couldn't get it. You know what I'm talking about, Nick? Where it's like, you you wouldn't have believed it was negative seven degrees watching Patrick Mahomes play football because he threw deep balls like it wasn't windy. And I was like, Pat, are you insane? Like, mm-hmm. he had an early third down conversion where he looked like he he put an icy ball through Travis Kelsey's, like, what, what like, pretty much right through his heart. Like the upper, upper left. Oh, I remember that one. Chest. I was like, good thing you have a chest. You wouldn't have caught that one. I mean, seriously, it was like, yeah. Pat, what are you doing? And like two is out here looking like the weather is the weather. That's normal. I understand we keep deifying athletes, but like, I, I think that's okay. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But yeah. Patrick Mahomes, ever. Yeah. Patrick's being paid like $65 million or whatever it is. And that's the play you kind of expect from that level of money. Of like, I am being paid this much, and I'm still going to give you positive ROI. Yep, Whereas yep. the teams like Jalen Hurts, we like Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is a really good quarterback. Jalen Hurts being paid $50 million a year, it gets harder. Like, now you have to find a replacement Hall of Fame center. Now you have to find better answers than we don't have an answer when A.J. Brown's not playing, right? Mm-hmm. We have to... We have to figure out how to deal with I, I saw a bunch of really smart Eagles fans that were talking about how they didn't have hot routes either. Weird. 
<laughs> right? Like, mm-hmm. especially given that Jalen Hurts was the hold the ball like comparison to Jalen Fields or to Justin Fields all year. So mm-hmm. it's it's not saying that this stuff isn't doable. It's saying that the NFL's model for successful quarterback right now, Nick, is really tough to achieve. Just with your second contract, given that the Bears are keeping the player, Justin has a lot of opportunities for success. Historically speaking, all of them are on other teams, which is really weird. So do the Bears want to blaze a trail or do they want to follow a trail very well trodden with a lot of failures on it? Like, mm-hmm. like I don't like know. If, like if Caleb Williams becomes Kyler Murray, would you still do that trade? And, and not stick with Fields and get all the picks. Am I the devil for saying I think I would? Because no. Kyler had two seasons in. So to wrap up on what Kyler was, at least in my opinion, mm-hmm. Kyler had two years that were verifiably okay. He went eight and I think he went eight and eight in his first season. His third season, he played at a near MVP level, and then his fourth season, he sustained that level until he tore his ACL. So with Kyler, you got two good seasons. Two, well, two decent seasons, right? And then you got two really good seasons. But by then, the Cardinals were already falling apart. Because the other thing, Nick, that you didn't talk about, but I think is really important, is that most of these number one picks that we talk about, the team was bad enough to get the number one pick in the first place. So mm-hmm. a lot of them rush the team build. They spend all the money that they can so that they can put every big name on free agency around Trevor Lawrence. And then it turns out second round pick Cam Robinson probably shouldn't have gotten extended in the first place, but you rushed it because you weren't going to be without a tackle now Mm. that you had Trevor Lawrence, right? You trade for Calvin. Do you want to throw in here? No, I started talking about Kyler Murray. So like, what's interesting, never a 4,000 yard season. Nope. He's had one season above a 95 quarterback rating. Right. Um, And again, He's a he's a dual threat too, y'all. Like I'm not like ignoring that part of it. Like I think he's I like Kyler Murray. I think he's super talented. I and and his arm. Like he's got so much arm talent, y'all. That mm-hmm. I think like is a little bit untapped. Like people don't know the touch. That thing's live. Balls into and then obviously his running ability. Like he's like he's super talented. Kid. Like he, I'm not trying to diss on him, but he's not the generational no guy. He's not. He's very good. It's, but that you have to weigh that. Like that's in the range of outcomes here. It's not all going to be Pat Mahomes. No, that you, you tag, could... that tag, by the way, is I think Caleb's biggest hurdle in Chicago is that he will be if Caleb is the choice. Caleb Williams is far and away the best prospect that the Bears have ever drafted, and so Bears fans are going to expect five thousand yards. Like yeah. <laughs> especially given that it would imply that the Bears are going to move away from Justin Fields. You know what I'm saying, Nick? Like. Mm-hmm. Bears fans are going to sit there and they're going to be like, what? He looks like a human. And then it's, I, I hope he comes in and plays like Stroud who doesn't, right? I'm not expecting him to go. Cause the other thing that I see people say all the time is they're like, well, what if he comes in and wins five games? I'm like, that would be a disaster. Like the NFC is too bad right now for me to think that he's going to win five games and only five. Right, Nick? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. The the trouble just becomes, okay, well, where is he going to fall on this top 10 spectrum? And then you bring up a name like Kyler Murray. I think another great one to bring up is Baker Mayfield. Uh, ironically, both are Lincoln Riley guys. So yep. this is an intriguing way to look at it. Baker looks like he's kind of caught fire 
in Tampa Bay I'm, right um, now. He's fun to watch. He's I, fun I, to watch. I, I, I think Baker's underrated talent, y'all. I mean, don't we do this all the time, Nick, where we decide somebody's bad? We did this with golf. We decide somebody is bad, mm-hmm. and then they refine their game, and then they come back, and it turns out they're definitely not bad. Well, well, what I think it is is I think we have unrealistic expectations. Like I think like every top pick, they have to be generational. I bet you could Google Baker Mayfield, generational. All these articles about how he is. Jared Goff, same thing. Like, Let's just have some realistic expectations. If the quarterback is between quarterback eight and quarterback 12, he's pretty darn good. And that's okay. The draft cycle, the 24 or the 365 draft cycle definitely creates some goofy stuff where like my favorite is still coverage genius. I I remember hearing that about Bryce Young and I was like, what does that mean? Like it did. You don't you don't remember this? No, I don't oh, remember. Oh man. It was the talk of the combine. Everybody was like, Bryce Young, man, in interviews, he's just a coverage genius. And I was like, so are you trying to are you trying to sell me that Bryce Young's not gonna make rookie mistakes? Because he is. Like right, right. nobody hits the NFL and plays like they have six years of NFL experience. That's what six years in the NFL teaches you, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I I can't help but look at this whole thing, man. And I'm like, it's one way or another, it's going to be a wild ride. And I'm with you that if the Bears do land a quarterback, and like let's say they draft Drake May, and Drake May is the seventh best quarterback in the NFL. Slam, dunk, triple. Maybe it's not a home run, but that thing is an awesome pick. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Well, the, the one thing that I hope for, okay, is I feel like Chicago media has supported Justin Fields quite a bit. It's been it's been more positive than negative, but Chicago media fans are just so negative with quarterbacking. Jay yes. Cutler negative, Mitch negative, Cade McNown negative, Kyle Orton negative. Like it's all. Look at Mike Glennon's long neck. Look at Andy Dalton's like it. Everything is just so negative. Like what if we just supported the guy? Hey, you know what? There's going to be growing pains. Hey, you, you'll get it next time. Whether it's Justin, whether it's a rookie, whatever, like, and we just put like so much support their way because we want them to be successful instead of trashing them. Like that would be, I know we're, I'm talking a utopian world here. No, I know. But like, that's what you need to do y'all. Like we want this quarterback to be great. We need to keep supporting them no matter what. To, to exactly your point, Nick, the bears schedule next year, uh, it could work out in a lot of very bad ways. They don't have that many great teams on the schedule, right? But if they draw the Packers early, and they will, I just, I hate it, but you know they're going to, right? And they also draw the Rams early, who are going to be that much spicier next year. And then they also draw the 49ers early. We're going to spend those three weeks focusing on Justin Fields going two and one on whatever his new team would be and immediately decrying that the Bears made an objectively bad pick. I hope that it is much easier than that, that the Bears catch a break, that that they play the Patriots relatively soon. They won't. Chances are the NFL is going to put that in the back half of the season so the rookies have some kind of establishment. Right. But maybe you play the new head coach Seahawks and they're just all right. You know, maybe you play the now, oh man, you know, they're going to 
they're going to be desperate to put Trevor Lawrence up against the Bears. Like there's so oh, many yeah. schedules or so many of these guys that I'm seeing as I'm looking at it because the opponents at home they play Green Bay, Los Angeles, t- the t- Tennessee, New England, Carolina again, uh, the Seattle Seahawks. They play Jacksonville and then Detroit and the Lions, and then they obviously play the division. But now add the Cardinals, add the uh, Colts add the Niners add Washington and add the Texans to that for their away slate. It's not at least looking forward, Nick, it's not that easy a schedule, but it's not that hard either. Right. Mm. There's a bunch of those teams that depending on how they manage their resources, you'd hope that the bears would be better than the Jaguars. Right. Yeah. And, yep. and then it would just have to be Trevor Lawrence styling on a rookie. Totally doable. Totally might happen. Right. But you just don't know. So, mm-hmm. so I yeah, no, go ahead. So I, I have one, I have one new thing too. We've been discussing, and, and then we gotta get out of here, man. We're probably in like hour three. Near, we're near it. <laughs> All right. So here's here's the other thing. We haven't broached this topic yet. I don't, I don't, I'm not. You probably know about it because you're Robert Schmitz, but maybe you don't. So, y'all, I'm gonna right now. I, I'm making a prediction, and I'm not a big predictions guy, but I'm making one. Next year, Chicago Bears, they're going to be on hard knocks because there are very few teams that are left. Because, again, the, the, the criteria is you can't have a first-year head coach, you can't make the playoffs in the previous two years, and you can't be on hard knocks in the previous uh, 10 years. And that leaves only a few teams. That leaves the Bears, the Broncos, and the Saints. And the Broncos... <laughs> They don't want to see that mess, man. We don't know who their quarterback is next year and what's happened with Sean Payton. The Saints just got rid of their OC. Do they want to go and see Carr and that team? The Bears, whether it's Justin Fields and a retooled, all these picks and whatever, or it's a rookie quarterback, which it's probably leaning that way, they're going to be the bet. So I'm going to – that. I think it's exciting. I want hard knocks for the Bears. Do you? I – I think hard knocks always freaks me out because the coach that I never was screams in my brain, it's a distraction. You don't want that kind of stuff in your building. And then like pounds the table a couple times. You know what I mean? But (laughs) you think I'm not going to slurp that content up? You think I'm not going to like make Do you watch hard knocks now? No, but I would watch every, I I need to. I know it's awesome. I just, uh, this is going to sound so hokey, man. I just take an extra hour of film in the hour that I would otherwise watch hard knocks because I I just don't get enough time to do honestly a lot of this football analysis. I, I want to do more, right? But gosh, what story could be more interesting? I know bears fans. We drum up the bears, even when the bears are awful and nobody cares. This is the talk of the town. Like playoffs are happening and people are wondering what's going to happen with Justin Fields and this weird enigmatic guy that is kind of so the comparison i keep making nick is like uh, steph curry i don't know how closely you follow the nba right but like steph is an objectively likable person outside of that weird stuff he does when he loses right and so you end up with a lot of people with very conflicting views about somebody like steph curry where when caleb williams is on different because look it could end up being Drake May. Maybe Caleb flubs his interviews. But speaking right now, the wind certainly feels like it's pushing towards number 13. You know what I'm right. saying? Right, yep. 
And so if it's Caleb Williams, well, then you've got the, the, you have the locker room angle that hard knocks will play where they'll be like, Hey, what's it like? Like seeing Justin somewhere else. And now you've got a rookie and then you'll get like a player squirm in front of the camera before they cut away somewhere else to like you, you know what i'm talking about they will do it's this. it's well done man they're not trying to out people oh i'm not trying to say they are i'm trying to say it's tv it's cool yeah, okay have you okay so you haven't watched it so the 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 jets one right right from my point of view and again people can comment on this i felt like it was like all about restoring rogers's image the He's whole thing was all Oh yeah, it was all positive. It made me be like, man, maybe he's not as bad as guys I thought. Like I, it sucked me in. So, and then you see the stuff on McAfee's or whatever. But Good like, point. maybe they have to. Maybe the Bears have to approve the programming, right? And if well, they do, what, yeah. What, what's interesting? Sorry to cut you off. What's interesting is it did change because many years ago, now people remember this, the Rams were on Hard Knocks, and that was the year that they played the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And I think it was Hard Knocks or it was the other show that they used to have. And what happened was, I think it was Brian Hoyer watched all of the Hard Knocks and started, because they would show more like practice plays and stuff. And he started getting their audibles, I think it was. And he got that to the Patriots coaches and their defense. And that allowed them to help win the Super Bowl. That was the Super Bowl was like nine to six or something. Remember that one? Yes. Yes, that was back so, so. So, so they don't do as much that because they want they don't want the competitive advantage to happen. Makes sense, but I could I could absolutely see a world just saying, "Okay, here's my hot take." I bet the Bears will try to uh, to like at least publicly say that they were forced to do hard knocks. According to what you're saying, the Bears may welcome it. Because if they end up liking Caleb enough to draft him, you could argue hard knocks and like having what is basically an awesome visual puff piece on, man, how smart is this rookie? Man, look at him leading the locker room. Man, he's already fitting in with the veterans. Like yep. you'll get, you might get season ticket holders really excited well, to come and to may, games. maybe this is maybe this is kevin warren wants this more than the previous george and them wanted this and they're to have the stadium outline and they want to sell the new stadium and get you know to get money like there, there's there's a lot of storylines i mean jerseys 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 i know it's so simple nick but like while we're on the topic of silly things like hard knocks but things that matter to us right I mm -hmm. think it's super, super cool, the idea and image that, like, the Bears have had a number six. The Bears have had a number eight. The Bears have had a number ten. The Bears have had what feels like every quarterback number under the sun that has tried to line up for them. We just came off of number one. How does number one not end up being the sticking point? And it's unlucky number 13 that has a shot to break the curse. There is something that feels like it marries up there to me mm -hmm. this idea of like especially because the piece about williams's tape i think that a lot of people don't see and i'm sure you've seen it when you've watched it nick is and if not ask me or ask me later and i'll get you i got seven games of each that i could distribute to you but anyways um like williams is really good on the play after he screws up like it's it's so simple right because oh yeah they talk about it in draft day but his poise is pretty remarkable for a guy that has these cataclysmic F minus triple red flag oh, level turnovers. Like 
he will make some idiotic decisions now and again where he puts the Superman cape on and it chokes him as it like flies into the jet engine, right? Mm-hmm. But the play after that, it really feels like he shakes it off, which... Well, e- even if it's a sack, yeah. Even if it's a sack. And mm-hmm. it's more to say, at least to me, that you gotta wonder if this kid has a, a head well screwed on enough to basically handle all the pressure that comes with wearing the uniform that hasn't produced a 4,000 yard passer. Like, I think, are we it? I think we're it, aren't we? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, th- I, th- I think we're due, but I, I'm also due to get off of this, man. So <laughs> Nick Whalen trying to leave the podcast. What it, do you have it, coming up? It's midnight y'all. It's all right. Midnight, so yeah. in that case, Nick, uh, run me through your playoff predictions really fast for this weekend. Man, we did so only okay this last weekend. Yeah, if we're being honest, man, I was terrible, right? <laughs> like, I wanted – well, I, I predicted the Rams to go far, and this did not work. So, all right, Texans-Ravens. Mm-hmm. Fun, exciting. Sorry, Baltimore is going to bo- just, like, crush them. Coming off of the, the game Stroud just had, uh, you know my soul wants to pick the, uh, the Texans out right here. But, gah. The pixie dust cannot, it can't keep going. But Baltimore has made Detroit, Dallas, San Francisco, like so many teams look silly this year. Mm -hmm. That defense is for real. They're for real. I'm with you. Like, if I'm a betting person, I might consider, consider the Texans to cover, but that's me betting a lot on Stroud. It's a a spread of nine. Uh, So the next one is Green Bay at, the 49ers, which, you know, people will bring this up all the time. The 49ers always beat the Packers in the playoffs. Like, it it doesn't matter, man. Like, because honestly, mm-hmm. it's like, that was with Aaron Rodgers or that was with whatever else. Um, the, the line is the line is nine or ten, wherever you want to go. Um, I, I, I'm not sure this is close, and that's not because I'm a Bears fan, but it's because the Packers defense got a pick six last game and still give up 32 points. And the 49ers offense is, you could argue, just as good as Dallas's. And everything went well. Like, the Packers got a pick in the, at the 15, and then they turned that into points. Like, everything went, I think, perfectly for them to win that game. And I don't see that happening again. So, it's so funny you say that. I thought the Packers defense blatantly took their foot off the gas when they were up 38 to 16 or whatever it was. It was something really nasty. And so it feels to me like I don't want to immediately wind back and apologize to Justin. What if the Packers defense turned a corner? And if they did, this game might be closer than meets the eye. Because we've always known that the Packers had defensive talent, especially on their defensive line, right? Mm -hmm. But they just don't use any of it. (laughs) Like, none of it comes to fruition. Jair Alexander is rebounded. He looks better now Mm -hmm. than he was. He looks Mm -hmm. better. And so there's, there's this part of me that looks at Quay Walker. Right. And says, okay, how well is he going to cover George Kittle? Well, better than a lot of linebackers, even if not all that well. Right. Okay. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, how well are they going to manage? What's that kid named Valentine? Uh, Easily. But how well are they going to manage Jair Alexander? Well, if Purdy makes one mistake, that's one pick on his way to five. Right. Right. Because apparently he could just get dismantled. So I, I actually have this one circled as like the second most interesting game of the weekend, Nick. Where to me, really? uh, to me, I think this one could, this is the one where you blink first way through the first quarter and it's a lot closer than you thought it was. 
and you sit there and wonder, oh my gosh, wait, can they hang on? Maybe I'm buying too much into uh, Jordan Love, right? That it, or yeah. honestly, it's more Matt Lafleur. But the other part of this, Nick, that we haven't mentioned is Matt Lafleur wants to beat Kyle Shanahan. Oh like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's buddy. Well, but to me, like this isn't your year because it shouldn't I, be. I mean, I mean, we haven't even mentioned Christian McCaffrey, Nick Bosa, like the 49ers, they should be the healthiest, the healthiest that they've been in a while. They just had a week off, right? And you you want to go into the whole rest thing, right? We know I've got rest. rest. But on top of that, Green Bay played on Sunday and now they play on Saturday. They have less time to get their guys healthy and they've been banged up a little bit too. So, like, there's a lot of things there where I, I'm not sure that it's going to be they're going to cover. I'll go the other way because last week we agreed on everything and then we both took a bunch of L's. So, all right. So I'll, so I'll let you go first on the next one then. You got, you got, Detroit is hosting Tampa. I I want, I want so badly. I think the Baker, I think the Baker Bucks rule. They, they've become one of my favorite teams, but I thought Detroit showed a lot of poise. I thought Jared Goff got his opportunity to crack. And he didn't. I mean, the throw he made to Amon Ross St. Brown was a big dog throw. And like a a couple other throws throughout that game. Not to mention, Detroit's defense is bringing a lot to the table. How are they going to handle Mike Evans and Chris Godwin? Yeah, good luck. Like Dave Canellis is a really good coordinator, but also I think that their off or Detroit's offense is going to have answers to what Bowles is doing up front that the Eagles for some reason couldn't solve. And I mean, that's one of those games that if we were Eagles guys, Nick, we'd be like, you knew they were going to blitz. How did we have blitz answers? Yep. Yep. <laughs> so I, I have Detroit in this one. What about you? Um, I just don't know who's going to play defense in this game. Because Tampa's got a bad defense, Detroit has a bad defense, and and the the Packers Niners game has the biggest uh, total. Man, this game should have the biggest total, in my opinion. Um, and honestly, I think Tampa's defense got lucky with that. Like I saw so many things that the Eagles could have done. I'm like, man, this is just not good scheme schematically. Right. But um, I do want to. Both of these are good stories because they're both first overall picks that have resurrected themselves with a new team. It's awesome. And and it's exciting. Like um, I, again, who I'm going to cheer for, who I'm, who I think is going to win is going to align this one. I'm cheering for Detroit. They've had such a bad history that them going to the NFC championship game would like just revitalize the franchise. Well, while I don't think that they are, how did it word this? I don't think that they're like, going to win the Super Bowl. I don't think they're they're that good or well-rounded yet, but I think that they're more well-rounded than the Bucs are. So I got them there. And hey, if you're a Bears fan that likes schadenfreude, you want both, in my opinion, you want both the Packers and the Lions. They've already won a playoff game. So you want them to win another one because then while one of them is going to the Super Bowl, Nick, what do people do after a good playoff run? They overcommit. Like, you want Jordan Love to win a bunch of things, but not the big game, and he'll get that $55 million year He's extension. already getting that. Like, Don't you think he's already getting that? I think he's already got 50. I think he can push for another five on top of that. Like, I think he's gone from matching Herbert's deal to resetting the market if he wins another game. You know what I'm talking about? Good. Pay him. Exactly. Then, they'll, then they'll never have a cheap quarterback ever again and then 
man, Nick, the coup de gras. Oh, by the way, one other thing. So I pulled up the games on ESPN, and they've always got a little ticketing service that gives you tickets as low as, right? Uh, you can apparently get into the Texans-Ravens game for th- – this is not a sponsorship, everybody. Uh, this has a point. You can get in the Texans Ravens game for ninety one dollars. You can get into the Packers 49ers oh, game I for see it now. <laughs> uh, for one hundred seventy one dollars. You can get into the Chiefs Bills game for one hundred thirty eight dollars. Do you know what the lowest possible total to get into Ford Field is? Well, I, I'm looking at it right now. Well, yeah, I want so. you to read it to me. Four ninety two. Ford Field is loaded. Like these these Lions fans are so ready. To the point of what you're saying, like they are, they are paying for it too. Yep. Like they're speaking with their wallets. This game means it all. And and honestly, what a year for Michigan. Yeah. Michigan wins the national championship game. You know they've overcome Ohio State two years in a row. The Lions have won a playoff game. They're hosting a divisional game. They, 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 they deserve some of this, but. Okay, the one, last game. I, have, I have one more question now. Now that oh, we've yeah. talked about this. Okay, yeah. so uh, we picked the Lions. If we, the Bucks, we have one more game left, too. I know. But if the Bucks win this game, like, what do they have to do to make you a believer in the NFC Championship? <laughs> like, this, it would be bizarre, right? It would be one of those, like, how did this happen? But the playoffs so far have been just kooky enough where I sit here and I'm like, is it out of the question that they beat Detroit? Well, I guess with guys like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, what's impossible? You know what I mean? Well, David Moore has made plays. He made yeah. plays against the Packers. He made plays against... And and that's exactly my point, man. Where in the beginning, right, we talked about two and Mike McCarthy. Like, anything can happen in the playoffs. We don't... We have to have the... Like, if, if Baker wins the game, he doesn't deserve $50 million a year for four years. Yep. You know? But he'll he, get it. He'll get paid, but not he'll, that he'll get it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All so right. Chiefs, Chiefs, Bills, man. Bills. I want you to go first. Okay. So I, I'm so excited for this game because to me, this is this is what like this is one of those games that it's it's obviously just a true rekindling of the 13 second three or like the 13 second field goal from just not that long ago like you could argue Patrick Mahomes is single-handedly killing the Bills franchise because somehow they keep having to go through him and they haven't been able to yet right is is, is this the, the the killing me softly song Hey, I would argue it's like strangling with the pillow. It's way more aggressive. You know what I mean? Okay. All right. It's more to say that Patrick Mahomes continues to be the roadblock that the Bills have to get through. Like in the NFC, if Jordan Love somehow finds a way to beat, I I keep distilling it to the quarterback. If the Packers find a way to beat the 49ers, they have an extremely winnable NFC, like NFC championship. And they may go to the dance, which would be disgusting. But it's possible. On the other hand, if you're the Bills, man, you can't even get to the AFC championship game before you have to face Magic Mahomes. And the worst to me, the scariest worst part about this game is that you should win it. Like, if there's going to be a year to beat the Chiefs, it's now. But you're at home, and I'm convinced, Nick, because this reminds me a lot of the Bengals, uh, the Bills-Bengals game from just this last year, right? Where it's like you're at home and when you're at home in a game where your crowd is so invested, they're almost too invested, I've seen those home crowds turn against you if the early goings of the game don't go your way. You know what I mean? Like 
have you been in one of these buildings? Asking honestly, where it's like it got too quiet for a home game. Where like oh, I, I, yeah, you can yeah, I know hear what you mean. Well, I, I mean, I mean, in the in not well, I've had a bad college loss, but in terms of high school, yeah, where you're favored and all of a sudden you're down by 21 at halftime, you're like, and it's silence, you're like, that sucks. <laughs> and so, man, if I'm who am I cheering for? The Chiefs, who do I think is going to win? I think the Chiefs do pull it out because. I do think right now we're doing a little bit too much underestimating. It's really the defense. Like I could, I could say a bunch of flowery things about Mahomes. It's really more like if the Chiefs' offense can do just a little, the Chiefs' defense is doing more than we realize. But man, this is such a beautiful toss-up. This is this these are the games that we watch the playoffs for. You know what I well, mean? Here, here we go, Robert. Who I'm cheering for, who I think is going to win, is completely opposite of you. Buffalo is going to take down Kansas City. They need the, it. The, the, well, but also Mahomes was sitting back there with no pressure against Miami, and they still didn't put up a ton of points. I mean, it was they were struggling. I know there was the the cold, but Josh Allen is playing, I think, at a very high level right now. Oh yeah, Joe Brady. I'm a little shocked. I've I've actually kind of thrown a lot of shade at Joe Brady over the years. He's got that offense clicking better than Ken Dorsey. It's at least more balanced. They're utilizing James Cook a lot more. The defense had a lot of injuries that they sustained. They've bounced back, and some of those guys are playing solidly for them. But I know it's the playoffs, and I'm going to say this. And I know this is crazy, Robert. If I was the Bills' defense, I wouldn't fear Patrick Mahomes. I wouldn't. He's not without. They're not playing like Superman. He's no. he's very good, but I would fear Josh Allen right now more than I would fear Patrick Mahomes playing. I would absolutely fear Josh Allen way more than I would fear the way Patrick Mahomes is playing. To me, the scariest part about Patrick Mahomes is that you have to put him away for sixty minutes, right? Yeah. If you're the Bills' offense, you're hoping that you can break, you can crack this uh, Kansas City defense, and you can take him for what thirty-five points. And basically mm-hmm. put this game out of reach before the third or before the third quarter ends. I just right. don't know if you can. And at that point, you get into that whole like competitive lockup. I mean, what is crazy to me, Nick, is that if Patrick Mahomes loses this game in the AFC divisional playoff round, it will be the worst finish of Patrick Mahomes' life. And oh, no. There's some there's that to me, I can't help looking at a player like that and seeing the freight train honking at you. That's it's not going to stop. It's just a matter of whether you respect it and get out of the way. So I don't know. I mean, we talked about this earlier, Nick, about like quarterbacks and evaluating the position and feel for the position and stupid things like force of will. What quarterbacks can force their way to win a game when it doesn't really make sense on paper that they're going to be able mm-hmm. to do it right this is one of those games where it's like i have a lot of mental and emotional stock in the kid from texas tech and so why what do you what do you talk about well, <laughs> well, why why are you respecting josh allen they're both <laughs> like top they're, two in the they're NFL. both amazing yeah josh allen inspires me patrick mahomes scares me if that makes sense and so i generally always go with my fear but that's just me though like like you're saying it's a then our pod next week is going to be fun because one of us will be right one of us will be wrong exactly nick what are you working on as the season winds down nothing right now man i'm well take that break okay to be completely honest 
before we started this, I had my whiteboard out. Well, well, okay. I've I've watched five Caleb Williams all twenty two tapes. Like I'm doing all that stuff, y'all. Like don't think I'm not doing that. Um, but I had my whiteboard out, Robert, and I'm going through my offense and I'm looking at to be to be honest, what I was actually doing is I was looking at the concepts that I like, like my uh, you know, think of like Smash or something, right? right? And then I was like, okay, what pair is well with that on the opposite side? And I was marrying my concepts because as we know, you want your quick one and then to come back and have something that's a long one. So that way the timing is together. Well, so, yes. so y'all, I don't even have a coaching job right now, but that is either in you or it's not in you. And I'm still always turning to become better. Gotta, you gotta. And so I'm going to be taking the next couple of days to just keep, I'm basically pounding down a bunch of senior role tape because yep. I'll be in Mobile the week of the 29th. It'll be great. Uh, we'll figure out if anybody down there is shining. I'm going to be on the skills duty, uh, which I usually am. And so you'll get a whole bunch of receiver DB coverage from me, as well as as much tight ends, linebackers, and safeties as I can fit in. But really, I just appreciate the look uh, or like getting to watch a bunch of safety tape. It's a nice excuse because I would mm. not be surprised if the Bears are going to have one. But Nick... Would you would you like to guess the runtime of the podcast so far? Three hours and two minutes. Uh, if it helps, it's only two hours and twenty seven minutes. To this oh wow, point. I thought it was longer. So okay. we it's it's a new podcast record. You got a triple album from us this time. That's this is what happens when we don't get two podcasts a week. Apparently, Nick. But I guess if you made it to this point, we appreciate you. Please leave us a review wherever you get the chance. You have no idea how much it helps. And until next time, folks, bear down. And thanks so much for bearing with us.